0: Dragnet The Jack Benny Program I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal
1: George Burns and Gracie Allen Good evening, friends of the inner sanctum We offer you Escape Follow Miss Brooks Suspense Richard Diamond, Private Detective Fever McGee and Molly The Great Gildersleeve Radio
2: Theater In the air dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters
1: WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. A the special three-hour presentation with
3: Pearl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. It is program 409 in the series. This is August 3rd, and to my right, the vivacious one is back from Phoenix, Arizona, with a golden tan, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa?
4: Everything you said is true, except for one thing. Yeah. It's the golden tan. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't produce the golden tan,
3: but you are, um, all of
4: it all of it a- happened. <laughs> you
3: know, if um, Coppertone needed to, to rely on you, yeah, they'd be I'm, out of business. Yeah,
4: I'm going to be their spokesmodel. Yeah. Yep.
3: Well, <laughs> I'm be the Coppertone welcome girl. back, Lisa. Thank you.
4: I'm so happy to be back.
3: Classic radio is what we have for you all the way to 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to start things off with uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, maybe my favorite show, Boston Blackie from 1946. Then it's Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. And then The Great Gildersleeve with Hal Perry. That's our lineup. We're going to start things off with our game, Cat's Pride. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes,
4: the celebrity is your twin, George Clooney. Yeah. I uh, can't tell you apart. You're so similar. I know.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I get confused sometimes. And uh, we are going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought wow. to you by American Weathermakers. Very cool.
3: What number of We're going
4: to go with caller number five you can call right now 312-981-7200 we'll be right back
5: hey and we have Karen
4: on the phone hi Karen hi how are you I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Great. And so glad you called in. Caller number five. And we're going to do a little George Clooney. I mean, Carl Amari. Yeah. Okay. My twin. Thanks, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Karen. Okay. Number one. He played a handyman on the series The Facts of Life. Real or ridiculous? Mm,
6: I'm thinking real.
3: Hmm. (laughs) I think he did play a handyman. It wasn't Facts of Life, though. No. So you say ridiculous. You,
4: you can you can talk you can about it. Whatever you guys want. What do you
3: think, Karen? Changing it to uh, let's, re- let's go with
7: ridiculous. Yeah,
3: he was a handyman, but not on facts of life. I don't think because that was the that was that uh, other guy. No, I would say re- ridiculous.
4: Snyder or something. Snyder, right? Uh, no, Snyder was on, uh, One Day at a Time. Oh, whatever. And it's real. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Darn. That's okay. Karen, Carl, Carl had a sound effects machine ready to, 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 to go. Oh, Woo! Man. Okay, so far, so good. Uh, number I mean, two. And he's my twin.
3: I should have known you that. You should have I... known.
4: Okay, number two. In 2009, he was inducted into Time Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. Real or ridiculous? What does
3: that mean? Inducted in? In other words, he was chosen or in? Okay, you can chosen. say chosen. Okay, real or ridiculous? Real or
4: ridiculous? <laughs> you- mm, let's go real.
3: Yeah, that's real.
4: I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> So oh here's the story. Um, Time Magazine doesn't have sexiest man alive. Oh, it's not Time. Time Magazine has influ- one of the most influential people in the world. So what was people it? People Magazine has sexiest man alive. She's
3: very sneaky, <laughs> <Just Karen. saying. laughs> So no. Oh, no, you should work with her every week. <laughs> yeah. See how sneaky she is. <laughs> you, you, he, he's
4: <laughs> he's the lucky one. He gets to work with <laughs> me every week. Yeah. Number three. In 2013, he co-founded Casamigos Tequila. And sold it for seven hundred million in twenty seventeen. Real? Or started ridiculous? started it when twenty
3: thirteen. Wow. What do you think? Karen? I
4: say ridiculous.
3: I'm gonna disagree. I think it's real. It's real. Wow. You, got really? yeah. you got one. He got one. This is for That's you. That's
5: absolutely true. <laughs> Here's for me.
3: <laughs>
4: That's not a bad investment. But you,
3: you're a winner, though, Karen. Karen's the winner. not
4: Carl, yeah. Carl is not the winner. Karen is the winner. Karen, you've won the Desktop Indoor Weather Stations, brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. The 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thank you so much for calling, and you are going to love your weathermaker.
3: Weather station, weather maker, weather
4: station. Way to go, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Thank Fun playing the
3: game you with done. you, Karen.
4: Take care. All right, Keep on playing. take care.
3: All right, Karen's a big winner. Hey, folks, don't forget, we have a text in line, and we love getting your text. It's 312-981-7200. Uh, we're here to 2 o'clock in the morning, and we love to uh, read your texts. We uh, get back to just about everyone, almost everybody. We
4: try. Um, But we do appreciate them. I read them aloud to Carl so he can hear them that way. (laughs) (laughs) It means a lot more. It kind of soaks in better that way.
3: Right. It's osmosis. (laughs) Soaks in through osmosis. Okay, we're going to start things off now with Boston Blackie. Now, Boston Blackie was a uh, fictional amateur detective. It was created by Jack Boyle. Now, Jack Boyle, Lisa, was in jail. He was actually in a penitentiary around the turn of the century, and he had lots of time on his hands, as you can imagine, and he decided to write about a detective who was a bad guy at one time, and he was a criminal, went to jail, got reformed, and became an amateur detective. So he was a criminal, safe cracker, thief, and then decided to use all this knowledge of the underworld to be an amateur detective. So he called the character Boston Blackie. And um, the reason why he called him Boston Blackie is he was from Boston, and he had very, very dark eyes. That was why they called him Boston Blackie, Black Eye, Blackie, see? And uh, radio, there was movies, there was a radio show, there was a TV show. In the movies, there was an actor by the name of Chester Morris, and Chester Morris played Boston Blackie in 14 films. And then they brought him to radio as a summer replacement for the Amos and Andy show in 1944 for one short summer season. It was a big success. It was sponsored by Rinso with Harlow Wilcox announcing. And then the next year, in 1945, they syndicated a show. They couldn't get Chester Morris. But they got an actor by the name of Dick Calmar. Dick Calmar was married to Dorothy Kilgallen, very famous columnist. And uh, the, uh, they had about 200 episodes in syndication with Dick Calmar. We have an episode for you now from April 16, 1946. This is called The Baseball Player Murder. Here is part one now of Boston Blackie.
8: Hey, Lefty. Lefty, come here, will you? Sure, boss. What's up? I'm shifting the batting order for today's game. Yeah? I'm going to have Bruce lead off, Duncan batting second, and I'm moving you up to third. Yeah. Mike Allen will bat fourth in your old spot. All right with me, boss. Just stick me anywhere in the lineup where I get a chance to poke a couple and I'm happy. Right. Uh, lefty, you're team captain. Write out that new batting order and give it to the ump's, will you? Sure, boss. And tell Mike that he's batting fourth. Oh, by the way, where is he? He's around for batting practice. No, he's still around. Oh, he's over there in the corner making a phone call. I'll go tell him. Tell him I won't hate him if he puts yeah, a couple yeah. out of the pot, let's see. <laughs> okay, but I got an idea he knows that. How's the arm, Joe? Oh, Hello. it's Kyle steve working on it. Good. Hello? Having Hello? trouble, Mike? Bad connection. I think it's okay now. Hello? Hello? Hello,
6: Hello. I-, I can hear you now.
8: Okay, is
9: Blackie home?
6: No, he's not. This is Shorty. Who's this?
9: This is Mike Allen. Look. Tell Boston Blackie I've got to talk to him. I'll call him right after the game today.
10: And now back to our story. And in a few moments we'll meet Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friends.
5: This is Clem McCarthy.
11: Continuing with the last half of the first inning, folks. No score as yet. No score and two out. And Roos is at second. Mike Allen is up. Here comes Shorty, the pitch. Shorty, do we have to, to listen,
6: listen to oh, I just want to hear what Mike end Allen end
11: does. Gosh, I'll I told you just to
6: before two. game time, and I talked to him personally. Okay.
11: Bradley sneaks a look at second. What, okay. what about Bosco's the valley. I don't know, Mr. Now Allen's facing the plate. Here comes the pitch. Allen swings. Hmm. It's a line drive over the third baseman's head. coming in. He's oh, standing up. Allen's hitting for second. McGuire fires the ball. Allen slides, and he's safe. We're in. But wait a minute, folks. Wait a minute. Allen isn't getting up. He may have twisted his ankle. Harry, hand me those field glasses, please. Thank you. Folks, Mike Allen didn't twist his ankle. He's bleeding from a hole in the top of his head. What? Here it looks like he's been shot, and it looks as if he's dead.
5: Holy mackerel.
9: Okay, now you ball players, all of you, line up against those dressing room lockers. Now, where's the manager? Which one of you is the manager of this club? I am
1: Inspector Faraday. I'm Max.
9: Okay, you. One of your ball players was shot with a rifle a little while ago at the ballpark. Now, who could have killed him?
1: I don't know, Inspector Faraday.
9: You don't know. I don't know. Who does know? Any of you guys got any ideas? Well, how about you? Who are you, first?
8: I'm Lefty Jones, Inspector. I'm captain of the team. All I can tell you is there never was a cleaner ball player in the business than Mike. Or a cleaner living guy either. Everybody liked him. Isn't that right, Mac?
9: Oh, fine. When well, he was killed, so somebody didn't like him. Now, we know it wasn't any of you guys. From the angle of the bullet, we know the shot came from the center field stands. But from who in the stands? There were thousands of people out there.
8: Look, Inspector, Mike was my friend. Whoever did kill Mike better hope that you'll find him before I do, because it'd be a pleasure to bounce a bat off his head. We don't know anything.
9: You told my assistant an hour ago that you remember Mike calling Boston Blackie before the game.
8: Yes, but Blackie wasn't home, and I don't know what he wanted to talk to him about.
9: Well, I got men out looking for Blackie. Now, let's get out of facts. You, Donlin. Yes, sir. You got any reason to believe Mike Allen was mixed up with anything crooked?
8: Mike? Not him. Lefty told you he was the cleanest ball
1: player in the league. You what? Well, I... D- All
10: right, you get in there, Blackie. Come on inside. Here he is, Inspector. Boston Blackie. I
1: found him snooping
9: around out in the grounds. Oh, yeah? Okay, you guys. Sit around on those benches over there and relax. Take it easy. Take it easy. Well,
12: Blackie. So
9: Mike Allen made a phone call to you before the game, huh? What did he want?
12: I don't know. I wasn't home before the game.
9: Where were you? Out. You're going to be a whole lot more out before I get through with you. Where were you when Allen was shot? Still in
12: the same place, Faraday. Out. Out where? No place in particular, just down. Uh, Rollins, grab his arms. Yes, sir. Ah, oh, maybe we'll get somewhere. Uh, just a minute, Rollins. You haven't got this arm very tight here. No. Here, try a better grip. How's no, that? Oh, good and tight. Okay, that'll do it. What now, Inspector? Now I search you, that's
9: what. Let's see your coat pockets. Mm-hmm, change. Paper clip. What's that for, Blackie? To clip papers, by the way. See, you learn something every day. And this, what's this, a hat check? No, it's a rain check for a ball game. For this ball game, too. What do you know about that? So you were in the stands watching the ball game this afternoon, huh?
12: Guilty as charged. What's the penalty for that?
9: I'll penalty you. I'll find a reason for you to kill Allen. I'll prove you had the opportunity.
12: Faraday. Dear friend Faraday, in reply to your most recent and most ridiculous suspicions, may I say that, A, I did not kill Mike Allen... B, I came to the park here today to see a ball game. And C, I am going to help you find Alan's killer. Oh, yeah? Well,
9: D, E, and F, you're going to keep out of my way, and you're not leaving town. You get that? Now, what's that? A very pretty watch that, I'd say.
5: Lefty, Lefty,
13: where are you? Here I am,
8: honey, right here. What's the matter?
13: Oh, Lefty, thank goodness you're all right. I heard over the radio that a ball player was killed. I
12: thought... Uh, just what did you think, lady? (laughs) Who are you? He's Inspector parody of the police, and if you stay here one more minute, he'll make you a suspect. Now, uh, this is my wife, Inspector. Uh, darling, it was Mike who was shot.
13: Mike? Oh, no.
12: Well, Mike will be glad to hear that.
13: Oh, Mike, dead? Oh, Lefty, I can't believe it. It's
12: true, dear. I know it's hard to realize. Okay. Now, where were we? You, my dear Inspector, were in a blizzard, as usual. Now, I have a request to make. May I go? Why not? I can always lay my hands on
9: you when I want you. I've got all these ball players to question. Only keep away from this ballpark. Do you hear, Blackie?
12: Keep away. Okay, pal. I'll run home now, but you'll need an awfully big scorebook to keep the errors you make before you finally strike out on this case.
14: All right, Blackie. Now that I've ripped my only pair of nylons climbing over a fence to get in here, tell me what we're doing in a ballpark at 10 o'clock in the evening.
12: We're going to see a ball game, darling. At this time? It's a night game. Oh,
14: without any lights?
12: Sure, the fireflies are playing the mosquitoes.
14: Oh, Blackie, please.
12: (laughs) Please you or please what?
14: Please tell me what we're doing here. You told me you'd tell me why we were here, when we got here. All right, we're here. Now, why?
12: I also told you that I didn't want you to come. Why don't you remember that, Mary?
14: Oh, my memory's a convenient kind. Besides, if I didn't come, we would hold your flashlight. I would. Then I'm glad I came. I don't trust you with a flashlight. You'd probably trip over something and break your neck.
12: Who, oh, me? I never tripped over anything in my...
14: Hey! Good... What were you saying? Oh. <laughs> Whoever left a
12: pitcher's box in the middle of a baseball. That diamond? was
14: very, very careless of him. Come on, Blackie, tell me what we're doing here.
12: Uh, all right. We're on the way to second base. That's it, right over there.
14: That's very helpful. Thank you very much. And now tell me what's second base.
12: It's what Mike Allen was sliding into when the shot caught him in the top of the head.
14: Darling, we know that. Why come out here?
12: I want to try something. Here we are, Mary. Now, as I remember the game this afternoon, Mike Allen got up to the plate, wiggling his bat and moving around. He wasn't much of a target until after he hit the ball and slid into second base here. Then for a moment, he was still. Go ahead. That was the moment the murderer was waiting for. He fired the sharp that killed Mike. Faraday figured the angle of the bullet indicated the gun was fired from the grandstand. I want to see if he's right.
14: Okay, but what do I do all this time?
12: Well, you're the second baseman. Oh, goody. You stand right there. That's right. Now, I'm going to be Mike sliding in. I'll start the slide from about here. And here I come.
15: <laughs> oh, you oh. ruined your
12: suit. <coughs> oh, not to mention what I did to my stomach in Ooh. Faraday's theory. Oh. Mary, listen. Right? There are two kinds of slides. One is the fall away, where the runner comes into the base feet first. All right, I'm listening. The other is where he comes sliding in on his stomach. Uh,
14: just like you
13: did.
12: Yeah. And here's the big difference. In the fall away, the top of the slider's head is his, out toward the stands. In the stomach slide, the top of his. Hmm? It's toward. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. It's toward the scoreboard. Mary, Faraday figured that Allen used the fallaway slide. That's natural. Most ball players do.
14: Well, didn't Allen?
12: No, he came in on his stomach. I saw the game today. Faraday figured the shot came from the stands. Actually, it came from behind the scoreboard. Let's take a look at that Here are the steps leading up to the back of the scoreboard, Mary. That's what we want to see. Come on.
14: Listen, darling, we walked up here awful fast. Just wait till I get my breath back.
12: Fine beauty you are. You take your own breath away.
14: Fine friend you are. <laughs> get me out to a ball field and don't even throw me a ball to catch.
12: You've got enough trouble catching your own breath. Here's the door. Whoa,
14: well, whoa, well, it's open. Now you can't show off and pick the lock. Okay, at least I get some compensation from that. Huh?
12: Oh, it shouldn't be open. Well, come on inside and let's have that flashlight.
14: right. Here it is, and here I am.
12: The way I figure this, Mary, the murderer hid up here until he could get a good shot at Mike Allen. When Allen slid, he shot.
14: But well, wasn't there a boy up here? A boy who puts the balls and strikes and outs and everything?
12: Up? There should have been. Yes. Yes, there was a boy here, Mary. There he is over there in the corner. The murderer probably knocked him out, but he hit too hard.
14: Oh, Blackie, he's dead. No wonder the door wasn't locked. Hmm.
12: No sign of who the murderer might have been.
14: Blackie, let's get out of here. If Faraday ever finds you here with that body, he'll never let you out of jail. I know,
12: but what would Faraday be doing here? What would Faraday oh! be
9: doing up here?
12: I'd be following you, Blackie. You could get a bloodhound to do that. He'd do it faster and look better than you do. Ah! Uh-huh. I thought I told you to stay away from here, Blackie. Yes, I suppose you did. But you didn't tell Miss Wesley to stay away, and I couldn't let her come out here unescorted, could I?
14: Inspector, do you know that at first he wanted to let me come out here alone?
5: The cat.
9: Miss Wesley, don't I have enough trouble with Blanky? Aren't you sure, Inspector? Oh, sure, I'm sure. And I'm also sure that you had something to do with the murder of Mike Allen. That ought to prove to you, Blanky, you're not so smart, and I'm not so dumb. <laughs>
3: See, on these Boston Blackie shows, Lisa, well, yeah, that's definitely an organ. But on these Boston Blackie shows, Inspector Faraday, not the sharpest tool in the shed, okay? Mm-hmm. So he relied on uh, Boston Blackie to solve the crime for him. So he would oftentimes accuse him or say, I think you're involved in this some way. I think you may be the murderer. And then, of course, Blackie wanted to prove him wrong that he wasn't, so he'd solve the crime. See how that worked out? I do, yeah. <laughs> That's how they would do it on these shows. I get it. He was enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to, to those, those who have, who have no, no friends. Friend. Yeah. Friends. Sort of like you. You don't have any friends.
4: I don't. I have, y- I have I have you. Yeah. That's it's all good. I need.
3: You don't need any more friends than I, me.
4: One's more I'm, than enough Because in my I life. have
3: <laughs> multiple personalities, so it's like a lot of friends. Well, you get. call
4: me like 24-7, so it feels like a lot of friends. Right. Feels like a lot. Yeah. I don't think I, mean, I can handle any more. I mean, my phone is anymore. on speed
3: dial to Lisa, oh, right? I'm sure
4: it is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the first portion of Boston Blackie, more after these words.
16: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
3: Thanks, David. Welcome back. 1134 here on a uh, Saturday night, playing all your favorite classic radio shows. And Lisa and I are here every single Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 11 p.m. And uh, we play five classic radio shows every weekend. Uh, This weekend, Boston Blackie, Gunsmoke, and Gildersleeve tonight. Uh, Tomorrow when we come back here, we will have Our Miss Brooks... And the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. What a great lineup! Lisa. I know Holy I did a good Toledo. job. A lot of
4: people are really happy with me this week. Man,
3: so. what a lineup! <laughs> wow, uh, Boston Blackie, my favorite. Uh, this is called the baseball murder, uh, baseball player murder from April 16, nineteen forty-six. Let's get back to it now.
10: Now back to Boston Blackie. <laughs> After Mike Allen, baseball star, is mysteriously shot while sliding into second base, it is learned from Lefty Jones, another ball player, and his wife that Mike had the cleanest record of any man in the major leagues. Boston Blackie, Inspector Faraday's perennial suspect, has figured out that the shot that killed Allen came from behind the baseball scoreboard. And he's investigating the scoreboard when Faraday surprises him. To complicate matters, the scoreboard boy has been found murdered. As we return to our story, it is a few minutes later, and Blackie, Mary
12: Wesley, and Faraday are still up behind the score. That's all I've got to tell you, pal. You were following me, so you know I didn't kill this boy here. All I've done so far is show you where the shot that killed Alan came from.
9: Blackie, why is it you
12: always uh, show me something you think I don't know? Why, Inspector? Because I always have one less suspect to look for than you do. You waste too much time on me.
14: Blackie, I'd like to go home, please.
12: What are you asking him for? I'm the one who decides where you're going to go.
14: Well, where am I going to go,
13: Inspector?
9: Home. Take her home, Blackie. And believe me, if you don't stay out of this case from here in, it'll be bad news for you.
12: Believe me, Inspector, if I do stay out of this case, that'll be good news for the murderer. <laughs>
8: It don't
9: look like much of a hotel to me, Blackie.
12: You've got to take what you can get nowadays, Shorty. Besides, baseball players travel a lot and they're used to once over lightly accommodations. Let's go in. Push the revolving door, Shorty. I want to know what it's like to be a parasite. Okay, boss. Don't look like much of a lobby, either.
8: Nobody around.
12: Except the porter. Oh, boy.
8: There's something I
12: can do for you? Yeah. Where is everybody? How do I find out a certain room number?
8: Well, if I want any information around here, I'd go ask the
12: clerk.
6: There he is. The desk is over there in the corner, Blackie. Yes,
12: so all right, Shorty. Thanks, boy. That's all right,
8: boss. Meekly and
12: all. What is there about me that attracts characters, Shorty?
6: Meaning me, boss? Well,
12: let's just say, including you. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir. I'd like some information, please. Yes. Sir? Would you tell me what room Lefty Jones is in, please? I'll have to announce you, sir, and the Jones phone is busy. Would you mind waiting? Not at all. By the way, do many of the ball players stop here? No, sir, not many. Only Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Mr. and Mrs. Jones? At what position does she play? I beg your pardon?
17: Sorry, ain't you, boss? <laughs>
12: Very. Say, um, that was a terrible thing out at the ballpark today, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. Mr. Allen used to come here to visit the Joneses very often. He was a great ball player. Ever
1: see him play? No. My work here is pretty confining, and I never did have much of an interest in baseball. Oh, the Jones wire is free. Who shall I say is calling? Boston Blackie. Just a moment, please. Hello? Oh, Mrs. Jones, this is Mr. French at the desk. There's a Mr. Boston Blackie to see you. Very well. You may go right up. The elevator is over there. It's self-service, room 328.
17: Room 328, he said. That's right here, boss.
12: Among my many assets is the fact that I can read numbers too, Shorty, but thanks anyhow. Hold it a moment. Come in. Hello. I met you, or rather saw you yesterday, Mrs. Jones.
13: Yes, I did see you yesterday, Blackie.
12: Thanks for remembering. Uh, This is my friend Shorty.
13: How How do you
12: do?
13: My husband isn't home. Is there anything I can do for you?
12: That's a leading question, Mrs. Jones, but all I want is some information. What do you know about Mike Allen's death?
13: Only that the police thought you might have killed him. That's all? That's all. And now, would you mind...
12: Thank you. I'm sorry I bothered you. We'll be leaving now. Oh, uh, by the way, this is rather a remote neighborhood. Will I have any trouble getting a cab?
13: I'll have the clerk call one for you. Thanks. Joe, my Doris, friends...
1: I've got to talk to you.
13: Not now.
1: But I tell you, I must, Doris. Would I...
13: you mind calling a cab for my friends now, please? Of
12: course. I'm sorry, I...
13: Thank you. You'll have Ernest the porter get you one,
12: Blackie. Thank you. I'm sorry I bothered you, Mrs. Jones. Oh, there's one more thing. Should Inspector Faraday get in touch with you? Please don't mention my visit here, will you?
13: Of course not. Goodbye, Blackie. I'm, I'm sorry I was rude when you first came in.
12: Forget it. Come on, Shorty. Put down that magazine. Let's go. Huh? Oh,
9: okay, boss. Only the pictures were getting awful pretty.
12: Goodbye, Miss Jones. Thank you again. And you won't forget to forget I was here in case Inspector Faraday asks you.
13: I won't. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. ma'am. Frenchie. Frenchie.
1: Yes? What is it?
13: Those two men leaving here. Stop them and call the police immediately. Um...
1: Ground
6: floor. All on Blackie.
12: Right, Shorty. Say, what did you think of Mrs. Jones?
2: The gal we just left upstairs? Well, if you ask me. Both of I... you
12: stay where you are. Hey, boss, the clerk. I don't mind the clerk so much. It's that gun he's got. Don't move. That is me.
1: The police will be here in a minute.
2: Hey, boss, the way his hand is twitching makes me nervous.
12: I'm nervous, Shorty. Nervous enough? Maybe to. for you to.
15: faint? I got it, boss.
2: Oh. No, get off of me. Get away from
12: me. Money, nice fainting, Shorty. Gives me time for this.
1: No! Oh.
12: Cliff did it. He's out. Now, Shorty, let's you and I get out, too.
14: And what, Mr. Boston Blackie, were the results of your visit with Mrs. Jones?
12: I'm not sure, Mary, but I've got an idea. Let's have that telephone.
14: Why, see? Uh, that's French for here it is.
12: Grazie. That's Italian for thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't out-language me, lady.
14: Silly on me to try, wasn't it?
12: Mary, you couldn't be silly trying anything.
14: Why, thank you.
12: Quite now. Oh. Hello? Hello. This here's Ernest, the porter, Mr. French. I think you want to talk to me.
2: What are you talking about, Ernest?
12: Uh, Mr. French, I was at the ball game today. Got there early on account of you gotta get there early to get seats in the bleachers, you know. And I saw you sneaking in back of the scoreboard. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. In an hour, I'll be in a room at 700 West 124th Street. It might be a good idea for you to come up and discuss this matter, don't you think? Goodbye.
14: Darling, would you mind telling me what was the big idea of the minstrel routine?
12: Well, first of all, nobody seems to have a uh, reason for killing Mike Allen, but the batting order of yesterday's ball game was switched at the last minute with Mike batting in lefty Jones' spot. Now, suppose somebody didn't know it was switched and knew only that Jones usually batted in the fourth slot.
14: Well, then that somebody wouldn't know much about baseball. All lineups are subject to change without notice.
12: That's right. And the hotel clerk I just talked to doesn't know baseball at all. It was too far from the scoreboard to see a player's face... And maybe he intended to kill Jones, who usually batted forth.
14: Yes, but why would he want to kill Jones?
12: I heard the talk between him and Mrs. Jones. Why, that gal has him doing handsprings. Maybe he figured with Jones out of the way, he could get her to marry him. If I'm right, he'll come up to meet me, and I'll put the heat on him and turn him over to Faraday on ice. (laughs) Thanks for letting me use your room, Shorty. When you hear a knock on the door, it'll be the room clerk, French. So scram out the fire escape, right?
9: Well, suppose there's no knock on the door, boss.
12: Then French is probably innocent. Only I wouldn't want to think that. There he is, Shorty. Just a minute, boss. Get out the window, Shorty. Okay, boss. I'll be seeing you. Just a minute. Is that you, boss?
9: Is that me, boss? No, it's me, Faraday, and I'm... Blanky. what are you doing here?
12: I could ask you that question with better reason, believe me.
9: I get it, Blanky. Now you're adding blackmail to your other activities. You called French and gave him some story about seeing him go behind the scoreboard yesterday, huh?
12: And he called you and told you that, huh? Of course.
9: Only he said the hotel porter called him. Now, what's that all about?
12: That was me playing hotel porter, Faraday. I think I've got something. Yeah, and I've got you, which is nothing. Listen. Uh, I think French shot Mike Allen. Yeah? thinking he was killing Lefty Jones and that he still thinks the porter did see him at the ballpark. Look, he could never stop me from telling what I knew if I were the porter and did see him, could he? So? So he told the story to you, knowing if he did, that no matter what I said from there on, he'd be in the clear. Faraday, I hate to ask for favors, but, well, this time I'm going to.
9: Uh This time you've got to ask for favors. i got a gun in my pocket I'll use in a minute if you get tough.
12: Here's your gun. I took that out of your pocket right after you came in here. What? Yeah, take it. It's heavy. Now, listen to me, Faraday. Give me one more chance to prove that French is the man we want. One chance in one hour. What can you lose? One wonderful case against you. All right, go ahead, Blackie. Only you better make it good. Thanks, Faraday. Be in the hotel lobby talking to French in an hour when a certain phone call will show you what a phony he is. <laughs>
9: It's just like I told you, Mr. French. When we got up to that room on 124th Street,
1: there was nobody there. Well, I, I knew there was some kind of mistake somewhere, Inspector. Yeah.
9: Well, uh, I'll just hang around here and grab a smoke for a minute, and then I'll uh, go... Oh, on.
1: excuse me, Inspector. Hello? Victor Hotel?
12: You called the cops. That uh, wasn't smart, boss.
1: Oh, uh, well, uh,
12: uh, just a minute. I- I'll see. Oh, somebody there, huh? Uh, yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, yes, of course.
12: I'll get it, boss. Okay. Just don't try the same trick again. Uh, <coughs> You've got 30 minutes to show up here so we can talk business. I see. That's all.
1: Uh, certainly. Certainly. Uh, I'll be glad to. Goodbye. The room shortage is getting worse all the time, Inspector. Yeah. We even noticed that uh, down at the jail. Well, I'll be seeing you, French. I'm going home. Goodbye, Inspector. I'm going up duty soon, but I can't go home. I've got to go see a friend of mine.
12: Come on in, boss. i seen you coming down the street, so I know it's you this time. Ernest?
1: Where are you? Turn on the light.
12: We don't need no light, boss. It's busted in the first place, and besides, I can feel money. I don't have to see the color of it. You can feel money, eh? Maybe you can feel this, too. I wouldn't shoot no more if I was you, Mr. Friend. What? Somebody's likely to get hurt. Where are you? Somebody named you. Where are you, you blackmailing? Right here. Only I'm moving around a little. I'm the restless type. I'm getting out of here. That's going to be a little tough. The door is kind of locked a bit.
1: What do you
12: want? What is it? For one thing, I don't want to be a polter no more. And a little doe would fix that. But I want to get paid for spying on you and Mrs. Jones. So you used to watch us, huh? Sure. And I seen you at the ballpark, too. Like I said. Chances are the scoreboard boy saw you too, so you had to kill him. That's worth a thousand bucks, ain't it, boss?
1: All right. You know what you're talking about. Come here and get
12: your money. Okay. Here I come. There you go. I forgot to say I was coming, but I was ducking, too. You try and duck
9: this.
12: (coughs) Throw the light on, Faraday.
9: Nice patch, Blackie.
12: You've heard enough. I wonder what there was about that guy's chin that attracted my fist. Well, Mary, it's a wonderful afternoon. Where would you like to go?
14: Where would you like to take me?
12: To a ball game.
14: Who's being murdered? Um, I mean, uh, who's playing today?
12: <laughs> the Dodgers.
14: Oh, let's go. But, uh, I wish you'd tell me first what poor Mike Allen might have called you about the day he was killed.
12: Well, I'd ask him for an autographed baseball for your nephew, Mary. Oh, no. He probably just wanted to tell me that he had it. You know, it's a curious thing, Mary... French had never been to a baseball game until the day he went and killed Allen and the scoreboard boy. What's
14: curious about that?
12: That the first time he sees the national pastime, it's his last time.
3: Boston Blackie, April 16th, 1946. The baseball player murder, starring Dick Kalmar as Boston Blackie, Leslie Woods as Mary, uh, his girlfriend Mary Wesley, and uh, Maurice Tarplin as Inspector Faraday. And then the very famous uh, baseball announcer, Clem McCarthy, was the announcer on the baseball game within this show. So they brought in the real guy to do the announcing. Hope you enjoyed boston blackie let's take a quick break then it's more on the wgn radio theater when you take a road trip lisa what uh which one of your fleet of cars the rolls what do you drive The Rolls, the Mercedes, the Lamborghini.
4: I don't like to drive. I like to be driven. Okay, so
3: when you're being driven, Uh, do you take the stretch limo or what do you take?
4: I take an airplane.
3: (laughs) When you take a road trip, you take an airplane? Uh huh.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you ever taken a road trip with the family? I have, with and without. Like
3: stopped at a cracker barrel, you know, kind of thing?
4: Uh, A lot of roads. When's the last time you've done that? Well, I mean, just driving from Phoenix you know, like, to Sedona was two and a half hours. That right. felt like a road trip. You know what to you me. should have
3: done in that two and a half hours? You tell me. You should have checked out bestoftheinterstate.com. Maybe I did. Oh, did you?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, if you uh, if you would have, you would have known exactly where to stop. You know that? I, I Folks, should have. If you're taking a road trip, here, here's what you need to do before. And you know, when you're packing it up and you're getting everything ready to go, getting gas. And all that, before you do any of that, you should check out bestoftheinterstate.com. It's here to help you find the best destinations and attractions along all U.S. interstates. Head to bestoftheinterstate.com to plan your best road trip yet. Don't guess. Know the best. Bestoftheinterstate.com. I would not get in my car and drive anywhere without checking out bestoftheinterstate.com. Sounds
4: like a good plan. You
3: need to do the same thing. Okay, uh,
4: I'll try it. Next
3: time you're going to Sedona. That's right. (laughs) Was the weather hot, hot, hot? It was
4: hot and then hot and then a little bit cooler than that.
3: Like at so, night it's kind of nice you know in
4: Sedona is about 10 degrees cooler than Phoenix. Sedona's
3: really cool, We were up right? in the mountains
4: there, so beautiful. It, was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. How nice. Thank you. Yeah, it was really Just nice. Just you
3: and your hubby. Right.
4: How a little nice. romantic getaway. Wow. Right?
3: Glad to hear it. Yeah. You know, everybody needs to get away and every once in a while. I know that. Have some fun. I and-
4: know. And we so did just that. The
3: pictures of your brother's home are beautiful. What yeah, he a beautiful place. home there. It's, got, it's almost like a... Cool, rustic, almost like gigantic log cabin type of thing.
4: Sort of. It's yeah. it's a pretty big home, but it's a little Glass. bit rustic. He actually has two houses Beautiful. in Sedona. Really? Yeah. Wow. One's not enough. <laughs> One's not
3: enough. <laughs> Two's must better. be nice to be a Matanki.
4: He's a doctor.
3: I know. He's got several medical facilities out there, right? He does. He's, he's a foot doctor?
4: He's an orthopedic surgeon.
3: Okay, orthopedic Knees surgeon. Knees and hips. Oh, wow.
4: That kind of thing. So
3: far, so good. I don't need so his... So far, so good. But when you're ready, my, you know where to go. My knees and my hips are... I'll a... get
4: you a good deal out there.
3: I'm sure you will. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be a nice place to recuperate. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And
4: then you can head up to the ranch.
3: <laughs> I'll be like, uh, so uh, what? What's his first name?
4: Brian. Brian.
3: All right, Brian. Thanks for doing my hip. Now I'm gonna go stay about a month at your uh, log cabin.
4: That could be arranged for the right amount of money. <laughs> I'm sure. <it> could.
3: <laughs> but he's got a bunch of kids running around, though. I don't know if I if I'm gonna recuperate. I can't well, have...
4: the youngest is in college, so oh, okay. they started. Uh, yeah,
3: that's right. We had
4: you met you met Jonah and sons. Jacob here.
3: Yeah. They right, were, they, and they wrote they uh read radio commercials. They on wrote,
4: it. they wrote ra- ra- radio commercials. Wrote,
3: they rode the radio commercials. Yes, they
4: did. They were still talking about that. They had a, a really
3: they, fun time. They had time. a
4: really great time here.
3: Well, I'm glad you're back.
4: Thanks, I'm so glad to be back.
3: And uh, in our next hour, we have Gunsmoke. That's going to be great. Gunsmoke adventure from 1956, William Conrad, and um, it's really interesting to uh, listen to the Gunsmoke shows and then watch Gunsmoke. I watch Gunsmoke all the time on all the classic television stations like MeTV, Antenna TV, and um, it was on for so long on television. Um, James Arness was fantastic as uh, Matt Dillon, but William Conrad is fantastic as Matt Dillon, too. Two completely different uh, looking guys, but on radio didn't matter. I mean, look, I could be six four on radio. And I am six right. four. in your
4: brain, in your I mind. I am six, you four are six four on radio.
3: In fact, you know what? what? I'm going to be six five. That's great. Six five. Where in your brain, you can be anybody you want. If I was six five, I would be so much better at ba- baseball. At what? At baseball. <laughs> Yeah, because you you'd know, be
4: better at everything. Cara. I'd be better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I would be better at You're everything.
4: De- <laughs> why? Why do I have to be five,
3: five Six. eight, five eight? Six. I'm five eight. Maybe seven Don't. on
4: your tiptoes. Come on.
3: I just, I just had a physical. I'm five eight.
4: Your physical.
3: But uh, I just did. I just did a physical. They said I was five eight. I was stretching as I much as I
15: bet you were. I, I was sticking my Had neck Had some platform
4: sticking shoes my on neck your out. tippy toes. No,
3: my mom wouldn't let me get the platform shoes.
4: She did, and you tripped.
16: I know, but fell. then she
3: took them away from me. A good
4: idea.
16: She
3: was like, see, I told you you were going to fall and twist your ankle. <laughs> These were big ones. These were really big. They were like this big, Lisa, like four or five inches. What
4: are we talking about? You know, did
3: you ever see the movie Saturday Night Live? Saturday Night Fever? Saturday <laughs> Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> of course. Remember the short guy when they're gang and he comes out with the big platform <laughs> yes, shoes. I do. That's how big my platform shoes were. That's maybe how even big, big you were. Maybe even bigger than that. But um, those were the days, man, with the disco mm-hmm. and all that, and it, going to and the, the Italian going to necklace. the disco, right? Yeah. How cool was that? It was. See, see you know, uh, people that are younger than us, okay? Like, like you know. Shante, Shante. She doesn't. Re- <laughs> she never went to discos. You never went to a disco, right, Shante?
4: No. And she's too you know, young. Curtis, Curtis. He never
3: went to a disco. <laughs> you know how cool it was in the nineteen like seventies. You wear a
4: leisure suit, and you went you, to a disco. And you open up a few buttons.
3: I used to go to um, show stay off up. the chest hair. Yeah,
4: there you go. The, exactly it, right.
18: It, b- bling hadn't become bling yet, right. so you could wear a
3: chain, a
4: nice long gold chain.
3: Yes. And, and my and my chest hair is just like just huge you know what so,
4: are we, what are we talking Chester. about again and I,
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the that, disco that thing, the cool okay. and i would go to a place called stay out that was the discotheque thing. i went to the snuggery no nah, did you go there i think so I went to this, but that wasn't a disco, was it? Uh, not a disco. It was more but of a they, bar. They
4: discoy music. Yeah, but it this, was a bar. But but did
3: they have a dance
18: floor? Of and course always, they did. Was this it always up. full? Did they have a disc jockey?
3: Yeah, this I lit up. It was a lit up floor, like in Saturday Night Fever, and um, it was big, and there was all these people there dancing and you know it was great
6: dance
4: yeah i mean yeah. i wasn't
3: good but and then, and then there was the but if you were six five
4: you would have been great <laughs> right i would have been
18: and then the drinking and then there were people going into the well, bathroom there wasn't and any drinking that's what in, girls do in, in,
3: inhaling things <laughs> no no oh, no no no, not that part it, it wasn't like that because this was like more of a teenager thing no, this we were wasn't in high school yeah oh. they didn't have alcohol or anything like that but uh no, I went disco. through that before you guys did. Yeah, it was a fly. maybe we saw
4: you there. It's a lot of Not,
3: fun. No, I was in. I was on the East Coast, and back, I'll never back forget. In the day. I'll never forget. And maybe this it happened to you too, David. Seeing that's right. Seeing the movie. Here we go. Saturday Night Fever. There it is. Oh yeah, that's I never it. saw the movie,
18: and, oh, I nev- no. and I never learned how to do the hustle because I look. I saw people doing it, and it was like, that looks. Awfully complicated. Yeah, it'll be gone by before the summer is over. <laughs> right. BGs, uh-huh. man.
3: You know what? I this was This is wrong. never
4: over. This is classic.
3: I went... I'll tell you what. I saw this movie in the theater in the 70s with my friend Vince Lombardi. We saw this movie, and it was like, it changed our lives. Yeah. It absolutely changed our lives. We were like, okay, we need to learn how to dance. We need to get some silk shirts and some silk pants and yeah. some and some platform, platform shoes, shoes and start going to Well, despotox. it changed
4: John Travolta's life
3: too. <laughs> <It did. laughs> but those yeah, were you, the days. you did get dressed up to you go to the club. You got dressed up yes. and it took a long time. It took a long time. It was like, you know, it was it was
18: the days of after it was the days of aftershave and oh, cologne for men and, face, and like, perfume for women
3: and like i never ever wore after the disco era i never wore like cream on my face i would put cream and and cologne in my hair but would you still
15: have, to have cologne on well
3: cologne yeah <laughs> but i used to put product in my hair to make it perfect I don't do any of that. No product yes, in there. But, but the
18: younger gener- but but the millennials do now. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. That's
3: true. But those, I mean, our oh, are aren't, aren't,
18: We should be glad we grew up, so to speak.
3: Yeah. Well, no, I I, I, I wish I could go back to I those do days too. really I enjoy too. that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I did. Too. You know what else is fun? The news. But I guess we're gonna. <laughs> I'll skip. take your time. I'm in no hurry. Gonna, I guess we'll have to. When our next hour, gun smoke, <laughs> yeah. and then after that, we have Gildersleep.
16: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
3: All right, it is uh, ten minutes after midnight. Thanks, David. And in this hour, we have Gunsmoke coming your way, a show called Pretty Mama starring William Conrad. But before we do that, we're going to play our game, Cat's Pride Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes,
4: the celebrity is Glenn Close. Good one. You know oh, her? Oh, yeah. Okay. Fatal Attraction. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Great that movie. movie.
3: Flipped that flipped me out. That
4: really put her on the, on the oh, map yeah, there. Oh, yeah. That
3: movie, like, whoo,
4: That was great. Who didn't see Fatal Attraction? Oh, my I'm pretty sure even Curtis saw it. Curtis, you didn't no, see it? No, he
3: didn't see it. Oh, my
4: gosh, Curtis. Yeah. So disappointed. Wow. Anyways, Anyways, uh, we're going to go with caller number four. Call right now, 312-981-7200. You're a winner. Whether you get one right or none right, call right now. We'll be right back sorry and you know what we're going to give away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by american Weathermakers heating and cooling okie dokie now we'll be right back and we have david on the phone hey david hi how are you Okay. Oh, great! Good, glad you made it through. Hi, you're, David. You're already a winner. I had so many people text in and ask me about that. How many do you have to have right to win? You're already a winner, and uh, are you a Glenn Close aficionado? Yeah, yeah. Good. All right. This shouldn't be too difficult. Carl, take Sh- it that from woman David. Scared the
3: heck out of me in that. Oh, movie.
4: I know she was scary, man. All right. We're going to do some things. Uh, questions about that. All right. Okay, number one: during a shoot of Fatal Attraction, she suffered a concussion when her head smashed against a mirror.
19: <laughs> is that
4: real or ridiculous?
19: Sounds like it could be real. What do you think, Carl? I think
3: real. Yeah. Real. Yeah,
4: I think so too. It is real.
3: All right. That makes
4: sense, right? All right, number two. The knife Glenn Close used to attack Michael Douglas with at the end of Fatal Attraction was made of cardboard. Real or ridiculous? Yeah,
19: you know, they could have made it of cardboard and then put aluminum foil on. But I'm going to say ridiculous.
3: I'm going to say real.
4: It's real. All
3: right. Oh, it's man. real. Okay. I'm so
4: sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm so and sorry. this is for me. <laughs> oh yeah. Number three. Her <laughs> film debut was in nineteen eighty three with the film The Big Chill. Real or ridiculous?
19: That might be her debut. She was in the world according to Garp and that was like eighty four. Um she might have been in stuff beforehand. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that that's uh real.
3: I think it's real.
4: You know, you were so close, David. It's ridiculous, but because the world according to Garp was in 1982, and that was yeah. her film debut. Oh, really? You were right yeah. on it. You wow. were right She's there.
3: Amazing in that. Yes,
4: yeah, she really was. As a great yeah. movie, Carl. Yeah. You were not right either. But either way. <laughs>
3: Story of my life. Uh,
4: But either way, you know what, David? You are the winner here, and you get a great prize because you'll win the desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60 Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. It's a great prize and a great company. You're going to love it. So thank you so much for calling in.
19: Oh, you're welcome. Take care. I've I've been listening to you since you were on that other radio station years ago. I think you do a great job.
3: Thank you very much, David. That I appreciate nice. you very much. Thanks a lot. Oh, good night. You too. All right. So, uh, Lisa, Gunsmoke. We yes. play a lot of Gunsmoke. People yes. love Gunsmoke. People love it. And I think it's probably the best Western for adults. You exactly. know, there were kids' Westerns like The Lone Ranger, Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, Hopalong Cassidy. These were more juvenile shows, and they were great, but uh, as far as an adult western, I would say the two best were Gunsmoke and Have Gun Will Travel. Uh, Probably Gunsmoke just a smidge better, and uh, that's just my opinion, but I think uh, most people would agree that Gunsmoke was the top adult western uh, of the golden age of radio. William Conrad, who probably was in more radio shows than anyone, other than maybe... Gosh, uh, Joseph Kearns, he was in a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, But I would say William Conrad and John Daner. Those two guys probably did more radio than anyone. He was Marshall Matt Dillon. And this is an episode called Pretty Mama from November 11, 1956. Part one now of Gunsmoke.
0: Hey. Oh, is the Long Branch on fire or something? Oh,
11: of course not. What do you mean?
0: Oh, I can't figure anything else that gets you up this early in the morning.
11: <laughs> Twice a year, Matt. Today's one of the days. You going to breakfast? Yeah, you want to join me? Thank you, sir. Mm. Where do we go? Delmonico's?
0: That's the only place open before 10 o'clock. Mm.
11: Are the mornings always like this, Matt? What? No. So crisp and clear.
0: Oh, yeah, most always. It's the best part of the day, as a matter of fact.
11: It's peaceful. I guess that's the feeling.
0: That's the only time of day Dodge is peaceful.
11: Well, that little shaver's in a big hurry about something.
0: That's Hank Marvel's kid, Beanie, they call him.
15: Well, he stopped at the jail, man. Yeah, wait
0: a minute, kitty.
11: Yeah.
0: Hey, Beanie! What's the matter, Beanie?
20: You gotta come out to the ranch, Marshal. Run away. It's my pop. He he's been shot.
0: Been shot? Well, how bad is he?
20: He's dead. <laughs> Busy, In the barn, Doc. I'll show you.
0: You coming there? Uh, no, Doc. Uh, Chester, you go on with Doc. Huh? I want to talk to Miss Marlowe first.
12: All right, Chester.
0: Miss Marvel?
15: Come in, Marshal.
0: Thank you, ma'am. I, uh, I'm sure sorry to hear about this.
15: Just a few hours ago, Hank was sitting there eating his breakfast. Now he's dead.
0: Uh, where did it happen, Miss Marvel?
15: Down by the creek. He was laying there on the ground, shot to death. Beanie and me got him into the buckboard and brung him back.
0: Uh, Do you have any idea how he was shot?
15: No, Marshal, no idea at all. Hank didn't have no enemies. He got along with everybody.
0: Uh When did it happen? Right after he left home?
15: Uh, Half hour, maybe. Him and Beanie left together. I was going to make soap today, and... I, I just got the kettle set up out there in the yard when... Beanie come riding back half out of his wits.
0: was Beanie with him at the time?
15: No. Hank left him at the pumpkin patch and went on alone. We raised some pumpkins along the slope below the edge of the bluff. That's Hank's favorite kind of pie, pumpkin. He he always says... Well, he... He he liked it better than any other kind.
0: sir. did uh, Beanie hear the shot?
15: Yes, and... And he rode along the bluff to see if maybe Hank had shot a deer. And then he seen his father laying down there by the creek.
0: Did he see anything else? Anybody around?
15: No, it's... It, it's awful brushy down there in the bottoms.
0: Uh-huh. You're, uh, kind of short on neighbors around here, aren't you?
15: Well, there ain't any at all, Marshal. It's just the Badlands onto the west and... The Circle D spread comes up against us on the other side.
0: Yeah. Circle D's got a line cabin around here, haven't
15: they? Oh, it's, uh, about a mile and a half north.
0: They got the same rider staying there, Jack Teague? Yes. You, uh, folks see much of him?
15: Well, he's stopped by a few times.
0: Hmm. Miss Marvel, uh, the... Uh, there's been a little talk around Dodge about Teague and uh... and
15: about me too, I know, and it's a lie, Marshal. Well,
0: I didn't mean anything, man it's just that they say that he now he's a chaser. And, uh...
15: Hank heard the same stories and the same lies. That's why he ordered Jack Teague off the place.
0: no oh? well, when was that
15: last night?
9: Well, Matt, I guess that's it. The bullet caught him in the back around the shoulder blade. He never knew what hit him.
0: Did you get the bullet, Doc?
9: Yeah, you are. Rifle of some kind, looks like.
0: Yeah, small caliber, though. Nothing like a sharps fifty.
9: No, more like one of those light Winchesters. That won't help you much. Plenty of both kinds around. Yeah, I know. Well, you and Chester riding back into Dodge now?
0: Now I want to take a look at the place where it happened. The kid's gone along and us.
2: Where'd he get to, Mr. Dillon?
0: Oh, in the house with his mother, I guess. She's pretty upset.
9: But at least she's lucky to have the boy left. Be mighty hard for a woman to keep this place up by herself. Yeah, it sure would.
1: It's an awful nice little ranch. I wished I had it. You wish it?
9: Are you thinking about the ranch, Chester, or, or the widow?
1: Oh, no, dog. Uh,
9: that's all right. I can't see as I blame you. She's a mighty pretty woman. Well, sure she is, but. And so, dark-gone young looking. Yeah. It's hard to think of her as having a kid like that, eight or nine years old. She sure is a pretty little thing.
11: Don't you think so, ma'am?
0: Yeah,
9: she's pretty, all right, Doc.
0: Maybe she's too pretty. <sighs>
3: Yeah, she's actually a pretty mama. That's, That's what a, people
4: say to me all that? the time.
3: You're a pretty mama. Yeah,
4: just too pretty.
3: Pretty mama. <laughs> That's the name of this show. Yep. On Gunsmoke, November eleventh, nineteen fifty-six. William Conrad. Um, he always had a great supporting cast with him. Parley Bear was Deputy Chester Proudfoot. Howard McNair was uh, Doc Adams. Virginia Gregg was uh, um, always on these shows. Georgia Alice was the uh, saloon girl, Kitty Russell, and uh, George Walsh doing the announcing. Always, always a great cast on Gunsmoke. Uh, we'll get back to it in just a few minutes. Uh, you hear the quality of this show. That's because it's direct from a master recording that I got from the CBS vaults. Um, all of these CBS shows we got from CBS, um, all of our NBC shows from NBC, And we license these radio programs from the people who created them, and that's why we have great, great, great quality. And uh, we have 100,000 shows in our library, and we decided about a year ago to start a club for our listeners so they can receive these amazing quality shows that you can't get anywhere else, the greatest quality shows From our library, 10 shows every month are sent to our uh, club members on CD, on five CDs, or via digital download. Now, Lisa is a club member. Mike is a club member. Hundreds and hundreds of our listeners are club members. And uh, you can choose either way. You can get the 10 shows sent to you, uh, along with the liner notes, on five CDs in a collector case, the way that Mike likes to get them, or... You can get them like Lisa likes to get them via digital download. You still get the liner notes. And uh, it's all at our website, classicradioclub.com. And we have a special offer running right now, don't we, Lisa? We do. The
4: first month is a dollar. Wow. Right? It's that simple. That's it. Cup of coffee. Right. It's nothing. And if you love it, terrific, you can stick with it. And if it's not your cup of tea or coffee, then uh, you can cancel, no problem, but we hope you'll give it a shot.
3: Yeah, that's right. Now, the regular price, just so you know, after the first month, for five CDs in a collector case, now you're talking about five CDs, normally a CD is like $10, this is five CDs for only fourteen ninety dollars 99 $14.99, $14.99 for five CDs each month, and uh, they're in a collector case, Now, if you want the digital, it's only a dollar a show. It's $9.99. So that's not bad. It's only basically if you join the uh, membership and you get the 10 shows sent to you each month, it's only $9.99. And you get 10 of the greatest shows of all time, a dollar a show. Not bad. But the first month, try it for only a dollar. Right. Check it out. See if you love it. If you don't, you can cancel. You can cancel at any time. We do not say, all right, you joined and now you've got to be in it for, you know, a year or anything like that. It's not like that. If you're not happy, just cancel. And uh and that's that, right? Mm -hmm. Classic Radio Club. That's our website. Check it out. We'll be back right after these words. We had a couple people text in and said, is there an 800 number where people can call and join the club? And there is. There's an 888 number, but it's a toll-free number.
4: Right. I'll give it to you. It is 888-642-6556. I think it's 24-7, right, Carl? Yeah,
3: there's there's operators 24-7. If they don't answer... Um then they will call, call back they will call you back. Yeah. But if you
4: want to join the classic radio club or you just want more information and you don't want to go to the website, give them a call. I'll give the number one more time. It's eight 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 six four two six five
3: five six toll free.
16: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: My headphones are ripped, I Lisa. Did you see this? Well, I just Roger, got new you feel sorry? Did you break your headphones? My headphones are he, all, what what happened, all ripped. You know what happened, Roger? I got
4: new headphones last know, week, and they're right. fantastic. And he's jealous, and he wants no, them, too. So not he broke jealous. his headphones yeah. so he can So get no now he said, you that can order a pair for me. That's
3: true. I was totally happy uh-huh. with my headphones. Until uh-huh. I tried, until he saw mine. And I looked at my headphones, and they're all ripped. What, ripped where around the ears <laughs> Look, what are, the ears what are you, falling you off Carl's and ears you your ears are phones? falling off his ears are falling off. no one of my headphone <laughs> ears is all falling off yeah. oh listen oh. to the can you
4: glue it back on no it'd be a lot cheaper than new I'm headphones
3: glue it, it i want to pair exactly like you do i
4: you like the all black ones like i got those are
3: cool i yeah, know see that see that I comes told out you. now <laughs> it comes out you now. know yeah. And, but they, but I
4: will charge you 20% interest for <laughs> ordering and paying ahead of time.
19: And I'm her agent. <laughs> you know,
3: my birthday's coming out, least. It is, but my these are really expensive. <laughs> 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 you can afford it.
4: <laughs> I'll buy you the, a case for them. <laughs> Roger, yeah, <there> you
3: go. <laughs> if I had Lisa's money, I'd burn mine. If
4: really? I, yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
3: <laughs> Come on, Lisa. My birthday's coming up. I know it is. You know what? You know what I'm going to get for your birthday? What, uh, what are gonna you going to get for my
19: birthday? I'm going to get for your birthday <laughs> the yeah. little connector piece that allows you to plug your headphones into the... Uh, it into came the with audio it. Board. No, it comes oh, with it. Oh, it comes with it? Well, mm-hmm. then you're, <laughs> forget He's it. set up. <laughs> forget it. You're on your what, own. I guess that's what I want for my birthday, <laughs> so, new headphones.
4: Okay, well, I'll, I'll go to Radio Shack and get you a real nice pair. <laughs> well. All right, so...
5: (laughs) (laughs)
3: does radio shack still are they around Yeah, there's some okay no they're not oh i thought there might be (laughs) nope you know what i'm gonna tell you something i lived at radio shack when i was growing up i was there all the time he had his mail address there there was a lot of great stuff yeah i know you did so did i i'll admit it we're kind of kind of reminiscing right Mm mm-hmm do you remember? Do you
4: remember when? Wait, do you remember when
3: the micro, <laughs> when young, the no. micro cassettes came out? Yeah, yes, I do. And the Radio Shack was the place you went and bought the little, you know, recorder right. and the little micro cassette. Sure. my
4: dad used to have those. It because was like he would record for his thing. secretary. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I used to play with And they were the same
19: cassettes it. for um, uh,
3: message phones. Yeah, do you remember yes, the message? Yes, it was of course the same I do. Yes, sure. oh. but Radio shack I, this is where I got all my cassette players. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go there for cassette, you and get you a real nice pair were, of
4: headphones. And
3: I think <laughs> the brand was called Realistic. It <laughs> yes, was. it
4: was Realistic. Yeah. That was yeah. their brand. I used
3: to buy my microphones there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, in fact, my first mixer was a Radio Shack mixer. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh man! I used Those to go there the when the I was days. teaching. Yeah. I
19: used and I was building radio stations at the schools I was at. I would go there for all the the connectors and and the wiring and all that stuff, and and that's what I would
3: use. I I bought my tape
4: recorder there so I could record myself doing all sorts of interesting things. She
3: used to record herself. No, pretending I did. to be on the radio? And then pretend <laughs> she was on the radio, and now she's on the radio. I did. Yeah, yeah.
4: I used to sing, too, and then listen to it back, so right? I could critique myself. You're like, Mom, myself. Dad, listen
3: how great I sound. <laughs> they,
19: and then what did they do with those
3: cassettes? They box them up? I f- wish I them had them,
4: Roger. I wish I had them. I, I know.
3: I know. And can, you see, can you see Mr. and Mrs. Matanke? Oh, yeah, honey, that sounds great. You yeah. sound great. You'll be <laughs> on the radio really, one day. huh? uh Someday, maybe you'll be on a uh, college WTN. radio station. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> too funny uh, oh man fun
19: those times, were,
3: the days. Those, My were the days those were the yeah <laughs> alright well we're listening to an episode of Gunsmall called Pretty Mama from November 11th 1956 here's the conclusion
20: there's where he was Marshall laying right there in the trail
0: All right, Beanie. Let's take a look, Chester. sure.
20: I come riding along the bluff up there after I heard that old shot. And I got right there at the point before I see him laying here.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Your mother was right. There's plenty of brush in
1: here. Mm, There's cover enough for a tribe of Comanches.
20: You think maybe it was Comanches?
1: Oh, well, no, Beanie. I I was just saying that. Thank you. There sure ain't much to go on, Mr. Dillon. Oh, uh, nothing. With all this brush for men to hide in, without being seen. To hide in, yeah,
0: but getting away after it would be a different story. Uh-huh. Anybody up there on the edge of that bluff ought to be able to see a man moving down here, whether he was a foot or horseback. Yeah, lots of open spaces he'd have to cross. Yeah. Uh, Vini, you were up there on the edge of the bluff, huh?
20: Well, yes, sir, I was. But I didn't see nobody, nobody at all, Marshal.
0: Uh-huh. Were you there last night when your pa ordered Jack Teague off the place? Yes, sir. That was quite a ruckus, I imagine, huh?
20: It sure was. Pa was mad and he got Mama crying. And Mr. Teague was awful mad, too, when he left.
0: I imagine a boy your age might be a little scared of a fellow like Teague, huh?
20: Yes, sir. Mom was scared of him, too, Marshal. She told Pa he was a bad man to cross.
0: Yeah. I want you to tell me something, Beanie. From up there on the bluff, who did you see riding away?
20: I see Mr. Teague.
1: I think that line cabin's just around the next turn yonder, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I caught a glimpse of it from back up the trail away. Oh, God, I'll. Well, you think they'd clear out some of this cussed brush from along the trail? I, I bet they'd be some good hunting along these bottoms, though, when the deer starts drifting down from the north.
0: Well, maybe we'll give it a try in the next couple of weeks or so.
1: Yeah, I'll get my old Springfield out and clean it up some.
0: Pull up, Justin.
1: Huh?
0: There's the cabin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go on foot from here.
1: There's a horse tied there at the corner. Yeah. All saddled up.
0: bedroll roll tied on behind. Looks like maybe Tig's figuring on moving.
9: Hit the clock. Huh?
1: Reckon we come to the right place. Yeah, it looks that way. He's still there, though. That cabin ain't much protection. Just built out of sidings. And...
0: Yeah. Maybe we ought to show him that, Chester. Might convince him.
2: Hey, Tig. He don't act very convinced,
1: does he? No.
0: Don't be a fool, Tig. Those walls
10: won't even slow down a bullet. Now come out with your hands up. All right, then. Oh, hold it, Marshal! Hold it, my dear Bob. All right, come on out, then.
1: That last bullet must have breathed on him. All
0: right, hold it. Take that far enough.
2: I, I knowed I was in for it when June rode over and told me Hank was shot. June? Yeah, it was marvel.
1: That's why I was trying to get away. I knowed I wouldn't have a chance. Tig Hank's boy saw you.
2: He saw me? He saw me, saw me what? Right away,
1: right after his dad was shot. Well, that's a lie. I weren't even near them bottoms this morning. You got a rifle here? Sure. I got a sharps 50. And it's been fired,
0: too. I tried for a deer this morning. Hank, Marvel wasn't killed with a sharps. You got a small bore here, a light Winchester, maybe? Of course not. That's a woman's gun, Marshal. Marshal. Miss Marble.
15: Oh, I wasn't expecting you back so soon. It
0: was something I... Had a check on, ma'am.
15: Oh, won't you come in? No,
0: no, no, thanks. Uh, Got a couple of questions, that's all.
15: Have you talked to Mr. Teague? I arrested him. What?
0: Chester took him into Dodge. Is Beanie here, Miss Marble?
15: Oh, no, he went out along the bluff where he stacked them pumpkins. Raccoons are always getting into them. They come out sometimes just before dark. Why do you want to see Beanie, Marshal?
0: I just want to talk to him, that's all.
15: Well, if it's something I can tell you...
0: There's one thing you can probably tell me. What kind of a rifle did your husband own?
15: Well, the only one he ever used was the Sharps 50.
0: Uh-huh. Is that the only one he owned?
15: Oh, no. But there's a light Winchester out in the barn, but... Marshal, if you've arrested Mr. Teague, why are you asking all these questions?
0: Do you know how to use a rifle, Miss Marlowe?
15: Of course I do. Hank taught me. If you get anybody living out here on the prairie, you ought to know how to shoot.
0: Uh Uh-huh. All right, I won't take any more of your time now, Miss Marlowe. Goodbye.
20: Got him. By golly, I got him.
0: That was a good shot, Beanie.
20: Marshall... I didn't hear you come up.
0: Well, I kept quiet. I saw you trying to get a sight on that coon. Um, sit down, Benny. I want to talk to you.
20: Sure, Marshal. That darn old coon sure won't get no more of them pumpkins. No,
0: I guess he won't. That, uh, your mother's Winchester?
20: Well, yeah, Pop got it for her. But she said it's part mine, too.
0: That's a fine-looking gun.
20: It sure is, Marshal. It's it's just a mighty fine gun, that's all. Did you find Mr. Teague?
0: Yeah, I found him. Beanie, he said he wasn't down there in the bottoms this morning.
20: But I seen him, Marshal. Plain as anything.
0: I was just talking to your mother. She's a mighty fine woman, Beanie.
20: She ain't no woman. She's a girl. Oh? She's a lot younger than Pop was. She's pretty near 11 years younger.
0: She and your Pop got along pretty well, did they?
20: Well, he made her cry sometimes. Like last night, after Mr. Teague left. And again this morning, too.
0: Now what happened this morning?
20: Same thing. He was telling at her about Mr. Teague. She was going to make soap, and mostly I help her when she does. Them kettles is real heavy, but this morning you wouldn't let me. Is that so? Maybe come here to the pumpkin patch. Said a little work could be good for her. Help get her feet back on the ground. I don't like it, Marshal. When he makes Mama cry, I get all funny inside.
0: I see. Beanie, I guess you'd uh, do just about anything for your mother, wouldn't you?
20: Sure I would.
0: Beanie Teague wasn't down there this morning.
20: Well, sure he was. You
0: didn't see him, you know that, and I know it. Now, why did you say you did?
20: I hate him, Marshal. And you kept saying I must have seen somebody, so finally I said it was him.
0: Why do you hate him?
20: Because if it hadn't been for him, it wouldn't have happened. Pop wouldn't have made her cry, Mr. T hadn't have come around. But Pop got need to kept coming back. he need to keep bothering her. So I said it was him, I seen. Ma and me don't need nobody like him coming around.
0: You really didn't see anybody this morning, did you?
20: No, sir.
0: You shot your father yourself, didn't you?
20: Yes, sir. I I didn't go to do it, sir. It was just, all of a sudden, them pumpkins could have waited, Marshall. Them so kettles are so heavy.
0: Yeah, I guess they are, Benny. How old are you?
20: Eight. per near nine, sir. Per near nine, huh?
0: What do you feel what' happened, Marshal? Benny, I wish I knew.
2: Tim Conrad. You know,
0: on the high plains, a man lived hard and worked hard, and the years slipped by in a hurry. But next week, a man returning to Dodge finds that everything has changed because he stayed away too long. And his plan for changing things back calls for the
2: murder of his brother. And that was the West. Gunsmoke. Produced and directed by Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The script was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with editorial supervision by John Meston. The music was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Bill James. Featured in the cast were Gene Bates, Butch Bernard, and John Daner. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNair is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week for another story on Gunsmoke.
3: That's Gunsmoke, a great broadcast uh, going back to November 11, 1956. It's heard on CBS called Pretty Mama, and that starred William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon. There's a the little boy there, um, in that show, his name is Butch Bernard. I'm gonna do a little research on him. He did a great job as the I've worked with uh kids in these classic you know, when you're we're doing like uh Twilight Zones and the Fangoria dreadtime stories. And whenever there was kids I would always hire kids and it's tough because You know, they. um, I mean, because they're
4: kids. Well, (laughs) it's just tough
3: to work with kids and make it sound as good as this. You gotta get
4: what what you need out of them. Exactly. They're not all directable.
3: Yeah, and um, this kid did a really, really good job. Um, You know what I really love also about Gunsmoke is the sound effects. Dragnet and Gunsmoke, and Have Gun Will Travel. Also, probably those three had the had the best sound effects. I remember reading about um, gun smoke and how the uh, there was a sound effects team there was a um, several um, of the team that would go out onto um, a like a like a farm and shoot real guns different caliber guns and record it because not all the guns were the same caliber yeah. back in the you know there was uh, smaller caliber guns, larger caliber guns. You know, there was uh, 40 caliber, 38 caliber, 32 caliber, 25 caliber. They were talking about a smaller gun in here. Probably was a 22 caliber. And so they would, sh- they would. It was so realistic. They would actually spend the time and and shoot different guns and rifles. And then when they needed that kind of a gun, they would pull that sound effect mm-hmm. out. They would make like little sound effect records of them, you know, mm-hmm. and then they would they had all the platters there. And I mean, that's the type of of quality that you got when you listen to Gunsmoke or Dragnet. Dragnet did that as well. Dragnet was uh, was was very uh, interesting too. Peggy Weber, who we have had on the show, who was a cast member on Dragnet, said Jack Webb was really different. He he didn't want you to be close to the microphone. He would have the sound effects guys turn the microphones all, almost up, almost all the way to 10, and he would have everybody standing way back. Now, these were very powerful microphones. These were ribbon microphones, and they worked all the way around, 360 degrees. But... Most of the actors in the golden age of radio, they would work, you know, a foot or two away from the microphone. Well, he wanted you five, six, seven feet away, and he turned up the mics. And that's why Dragnet sounds a little different than every other show, and maybe that's why it sounds so real because it was not like one actor close to the mic and another mm-hmm. actor; they were all kind of far away from the microphone and it just gave you a different ambiance you know it's different sound ton- tonality to the show and um when you listen to drag dragnet next time take a listen for that all right hope you enjoyed gun smoke we have the great gilders sleeve in our next hour but first these words all right lisa we're here every saturday and sunday playing your favorite classic radio shows. We haven't played a my favorite uh, husband, husband in a, in a while. while.
4: No you have not. So, I'll, I'll uh, see well, if I can. Uh, because I know that's your one on the favorite docket. show. That's a great one. Who doesn't love Lucille Ball?
3: Uh, she's just great. Um, I
4: wanted to mention somebody had posted on our Facebook that there is still a radio shack. Um yes. the, this one I think he said was in Yorkville um inside Yorktown. of York I, don't, I don't have to go back and check. Wait a second. I thought he said he said, um, um, "There's a Radio Shack in Yorkville, Illinois, in the Ace Hardware store. So he said, 'I can buy, I can still buy Carl those stylish headphones he's mm-hmm. been wanting.' So I'm going to get right on that. I mean, my headphones
3: broke, and these they are not did. even that old.
4: No, but that's because you got to get the good ones.
3: I wonder if it's because they're in my backpack and yeah, just they get smashed. It's in there. This kinda. time
4: we'll get you a case.
3: All right, all right, ah. I, I'm
4: I'm on it for
3: you." Alright, so Saturdays and Sundays here, playing all your favorite classic radio shows. Don't miss it. We, um, we have a show each night. You know, a couple of times I've had people say, is it the same show Saturday and Sunday? Is it just like, play it again? No, it's a completely new show. And
4: we're not the same either. Right. Carl has a lot of moods.
3: That's it's kinda true. It's kind of like a mood
4: ring. Sometimes right. you're blue, well, sometimes you're Well, I'm in a green. really
3: good mood tonight. Kind of
4: yellow because tonight. Because
3: my <laughs> team won. My baseball team won.
4: That is we good. We had a four
3: o'clock game. I got another four o'clock game tomorrow.
4: Except your headphones well, broke. Today. So it kind of mellowed the mood a little bit.
3: Yeah, no. We won 11 to four. And <laughs> when we win, I'm always in a really good mood. And
4: how's the mood going to be tomorrow night or well, tonight?
3: we're going to win again. We're are playing you playing at, again playing again at four oh, boy, o'clock. i'm
4: gonna cross my fingers for you <laughs> for me
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: and then my poor sister she i go there and i take a shower there and i just kind of take a nap over there and and uh, I,
4: maybe I, she could feed I'll, you some dinner while you're there <laughs> she does and
3: this is what i'll do hey sis um i got a game out your way so when i'm done i'm going to need your shower i'm going to need you to make me a sandwich a what a sandwich, 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 sandwich,
5: sandwich, sandwich, a sandwich,
3: a sandwich, a sandwich, and uh, and she makes the best. Oh, she makes the best egg and cheese sandwiches. That sounds good. It's like I don't know what she does. I don't know how she does it.
19: Does she? Does she put
4: it she's in like
3: a? She's just
19: a really good cook. eggs
4: and some cheese, possibly. And some cheese.
19: Does she use bread too? Yeah, yeah. she
4: yeah. does. She bread. melt it in one of those. <laughs> like she, I have like a, one of those griddle things. She so it toasts melts the, sandwiches. the
3: bread. Yeah. Okay, Like in a toaster oven? Like
4: in a toaster. That's where you toast the bread. <laughs> no, a toaster
3: oven. It's not a toaster. It's a it doesn't toaster matter. oven. It's the same Whatever. Thing. It tastes better in a toaster <laughs> it oven. It tastes better. You know why it tastes better?
4: <laughs> because food always tastes better when, when somebody, somebody else makes, makes, it. makes it for you. And then you, you don't have to
3: clean up either. No. And Although then she it's nice to help. Like, so, I don't know what kind of cheese it is. It's so good. Is and it then like she,
4: a yellow cheese? It's.
3: I can't remember what kind of cheese it is. Maybe it's like. I don't know. I'm Does she sure. cut the edges off of the bread <laughs> no, for you? No, she leaves the crust on. But then <laughs> she like the she makes the eggs, and then she puts salt and pepper. She on She makes it them really like in a good. pan, and she stirs the them up really well. And then well. she puts it in the bread, but the to- bread is toasted. Ooh. So good! Uh, right. Potato chips or Fritos? On the she side. offered me watermelon. Ooh, offered I like me,
4: potato chips. She offered and me fritos.
3: watermelon, but I passed.
4: Why? That's good. I just good. had
3: the sandwich. The and what? A, a sandwich <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> Sandwich.
4: He calls it a sandwich. I
3: know. Sandwich and water. <laughs> that's what I had for dinner.
4: Oh, that's it wasn't, nice. and I'm,
3: I'm hungry now.
4: I can tell. I'm well, like, let me looking do the news around so you can What's go the, get something, something to, to eat.
3: eat. I, we should have ordered a pizza um, earlier. We should have had a yeah, pizza. We should have. You know?
4: Maybe tomorrow. Why didn't you think of that? I, I, Roger? I wasn't hey, hungry.
3: I'm, I'm over here. Roger <laughs> took care of myself. But I brought his own food. I brought my own food. Roger brings his own food. It always yeah. looks good, too. Yeah. But he Sweet only, and sour but he only on has Broadway enough for himself, so <laughs> I don't know. i so but I never sorry. ask him, hey, can I have two or three <laughs> bites of that? <laughs> <laughs> or so? <laughs> you can have four or five bites of that, Roger? It's about um, all he's got up there. <laughs> yeah, and then no. Roger's always so generous. He brings generally, he didn't today. Yeah, I forgot. I'm but he usually brings... chocolate
4: coffee cake.
3: He brings oh, coffee yeah. cake. Yeah, it's really oh, good. Oh, yeah, it's really good. It's like Sara Lee, right? No, it's no, from No, Oh, it's not? No, okay. it's a store brand. Yeah. Oh well, I
4: said I said it. It's
3: always yeah. good. Is I it had, okay? <laughs> yeah, a cup of coffee and a yeah. and a bite of that. Um, it's very nice of Roger. It see, is now, now you're right. making yourself I know. Shares. I'm hungry. I yeah. know.
4: I noticed that.
3: Woodman's is open. <laughs> I
4: brought you some popcorn.
19: You know, if you let me do the news and leave they right away, you can get back in time.
4: I think
3: we're gonna. Go, <laughs> I think we'll stop at Woodman's on the way. <laughs> on the
4: way home, we'll get some. <laughs> we'll get some stuff for
3: tonight for yeah. snacks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Woodman's we'll we'll pick pick is some the snacks. best. They're open 24 seven. All right. God, we're gonna love, go to Woodman's. God, I love Woodman's. All right, we're gonna go to Woodman's. So awesome, and they. You know what I really love about Woodman's? They have fruit trays. No, they have the biggest carts. carts. Bigger carts than Jewel oh, or anywhere else. Well you can't else. get
4: in the cart. I'm not going to push you in the carts. <laughs> Again. Come on, Again. Again. <laughs> I'm not going to push you.
3: Push me around You it.
4: know what I'll do? I'll just give it one great big push and hope that it goes straight. <laughs> right down the aisle.
3: Woodman's <laughs> knows what they're doing. They're open 24-7. That's very smart. They have the largest carts, and you see. And, save what, the and most what else money. do you need? <laughs> you save the <laughs> most money shopping at Woodman's. All right, we'll go it's tonight. so true. Roger, I'm Roger, telling what you, I know this is not like. Yes, they're a sponsor, but this is not. This is not me. This is the truth. All right, Roger. You we're going to bring some snacks for money. tonight from okay, Woodman's. sounds good. And you know what else so you good. get at Woodman's what? when you, you get shop a big cart. There? Oh, no! You just take your your receipt. Yeah. Take a photo of it with your smartphone. Email okay. it to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com, and we'll send you twelve classic radio shows via digital download for free. For free every wow. month. That's we the important. The those shows. Are the important words. For That's free, such a deal. I mean, what? Just go shop at Woodman's. Take a picture right. of receipt. Send it to Woodman's WGN at uh, gmail dot com, And, and you
4: get twelve free.
3: classic radio shows. Right? Go. Can for you? It. How can you beat that? Well, I guess if
19: you gave them thirteen. And then when you be get them, you could sit there. You could eat what you bought at woman, that. Woodman's. That Wood- well, <laughs> Wood- what about a woman?
4: He's
19: inflicting his uh, errors. His <laughs> don't blame this one on Carl. This that's going to be a sandwich, and now it's a woman. A know. A woman. <laughs> that's going to end up on Nick's. Uh, that's a good combo well, right Roger I hope so.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to end up on, on Nick's inappropriate.
19: <laughs> no, no, it's not yes, inappropriate. It we generally yeah. do. Guess, well, that's you well, said
3: all it was. right. Fine. Back to WGN
16: Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: Thank you, Roger. All right, in this hour, the great Gildersleeve. Eee, Leroy. From 1947. That is coming your way. But first, it's time to play our game. Is it, is it real, real? Or is it or ridiculous? Or is it ridiculous? The
4: prize yeah. is general admission for two adults and two children to Sycamore Speedway. So that's a fun gift. Right. And we are going to be talking about Kate Jackson.
3: Kate Jackson. Yes. She was in my Twilight Zones. Oh, well. She did two Twilight Zones for oh, me. Well, then, she's awesome. Then you
4: should know all about her. I love her. Kate Jackson. Yeah, she's fantastic. All right. So we're going to go with caller number six. Call right now at 312 312- 981-7200. We will be right back.
5: Hi, Sharon. Hi.
4: Hi, how are you?
5: Just great. Terrific!
4: Hi, you made it. Your your caller. What did I ask for? Uh, four
5: minutes, <laughs> six or seven.
4: Six. six. Okay. Your caller uh-huh. six. You made it through. We're going to do a little Kate Jackson. Okay.
17: Great. We Our, live right near Woodman's, we go there every day. Oh, oh yeah. so you
4: can vouch for the great prices well,
3: my, and the my, great I, store. And don't they I, have my huge husband does. and don't they have huge carts there? <laughs>
17: Carl loves the carts. They do, but we take the small one because it's easy to maneuver.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, like the big one because I to sit I it. load up, you know, I load <laughs> up with all my food for like two right. weeks. Yeah, all right. And I have a 21 year old son who eats me out of house and home. So oh. thank goodness for Woodman.
17: <laughs> right, we live about a mile away or two, so it's really close.
3: Ah, very good. All well, right, here we go. All
4: right, number one, she was Kate Jackson uh, in Charlie's Angels, was originally cast as Kelly Garrett, which went to her co star Jacqueline Smith. Is that real or ridiculous?
3: real. I don't think so. I say, oh, no. I, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm going to say ridiculous.
4: It's real. You are absolutely oh, right, man. Sharon. Good for Yay. you. There
3: you go, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Do
4: you remember her name in, in Charles Angels? Um, she was Sabrina Duncan. Oh. Okay, but yeah. you're right. She she absolutely was. Okay,
3: <sighs> number two. I should know that just agree with my <laughs> listeners because <laughs> okay. they're way smarter than <laughs> I am. Let's try
4: this one. She was offered Meryl Streep's role in the film Kramer vs. Kramer but turned it down. Real or ridiculous?
3: Uh, real. i want to say ridiculous. It's real. <laughs> Sharon, go Sharon. I just Sharon. said I was going to agree with mine. My... Go
4: Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> And this is for Cara. This is for me. There we go. This is my theme song. (laughs) That's like Debbie Downer from SNL. Okay. Number three. She starred in an episode of Mork and Mindy with Henry Winkler and Penny Marshall. Real or Ridiculous.
3: Ridiculous. Ridiculous.
4: Ridiculous. All right. All right. You...
3: Thanks to Sharon. I got one right. <laughs> That's absolutely
4: right. Sharon, you got them all right. And I'm not kidding. Wow. That's seriously rare around here. But you are a winner no matter what. But you really are the winner. And you have won general admission for two adults and two children to Sycamore Speedway, family owned since 1963. Plan your visit now at sycamorespeedway.com. That sounds so fun. I hope you have a great time there. And if you go there and have a great time, I hope you let us know how you're experience was.
17: I, I have no idea where it is, and I'm going to give it
3: to my son-in-law that's Terrific. a mechanic and loves cars. Oh, oh that perfect.
4: sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Well, great. I'm glad that you won, perfect. and thank you for calling Next in. time right. you're
3: driving around Woodman's in those small carts and big carts, think of us.
4: Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. If you see somebody coming down the row in a big <laughs> cart, <laughs> it's me. It's Carl. <laughs> oh, good. Can I really wait? <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. Take care. Take
3: care. <laughs> All right, she's a big winner. Don't forget, Texas, we're here till 2 o'clock, so you have about 45 minutes to Texas 312. Nine eight one seven two hundred. We love getting your texts. And we love playing classic radio shows for you too, like the Great Gildersleeve, my brother's least favorite radio show.
4: Yeah, most people love the Great Gildersleeve.
3: I love the Great so Gildersleeve. So we're just not gonna listen to it. This was on it's... a long time, and this yeah. was on from nineteen forty one into the mid-1950s. It's a long, long it sure time. Is. And then it made a transition to television. And um, Hal Perry, who originated the role of Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, he left the show in the height of its popularity in 1950 to star in a different show that did not do well called Honest Herald, and uh, Willard Waterman came in and played Gildy, and no one even knew the difference because his voice was so similar to Hal Perry's. And then uh, Willard Waterman continued and played the character on television. And years ago, Lisa, and I told this story before, years ago... I went to a, am uh, trying to think. I think I was in Cincinnati, Ohio. And they had a, you know, a convention, like a convention and yeah. a lot of these radio stars were there. And Willard Waterman was there, along with the woman who played Leela Ransom, uh, Shirley, uh, Mi- Shirley Mitchell. I'm trying to think if there was any other Gildersleeve people there. No. And I won the audition to play Leroy. So I was like, hey, Unk. And it was me and Willard Waterman at the microphone together and Shirley Mitchell yeah, as Leela Ransom. Remarkable. There's a video of it somewhere. In fact yeah, someone said they had the video. It's a video of us Doing a radio reenactment of the great Gildersleeve. Willard Waterman, tall guy. He was like a six five guy, real well, tall. Same
4: as you. You yeah. said in well, your mind. I'm 6'5 6'5 on the show. So.
3: <laughs> and so and he and he and I we had a lot of scenes together because I was Leroy. What Perfect. a great I mean, you want to talk about a dream come true, to stand next to Willard Waterman doing a reenactment of a Gildersleeve. And Shirley Mitchell is yeah. right there too. But uh, I love this show. All right, let's go back to a broadcast date of March 19th, 1947. Here's part one of The Great Gildersleeve.
1: The Kraft Foods Company presents The Great Gildersleeve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of a complete line of famous quality food products. It's the middle of the afternoon, not even three o'clock yet, but Gildersleeve has locked up the water department for the day. He has to get to the bank before it closes, and he's told himself it would hardly be worth returning after that. In one hand, he carries a small canvas bag, well stuffed and gathered at the top with a drawstring. On his way down State Street, he chances to pass Peavy's pharmacy. He stops, hefts the canvas bag, and steps into the shop.
11: Peavy, my friend? Yeah, hello, Mr. Keeley.
1: Peavy?
21: I'll bet you can't guess what's in that bag.
11: What's in the bag? Yeah. Go on and guess. Uh, excuse me, I'll just see what this gentleman wants first. No. Uh, was there something you were looking for, sir? No, just just looking around. I'm waiting for a bus. Oh. Well, always glad to have people look around. <laughs> now, Mr. Gildersleeve, what can I do? Go ahead. Guess what's in the bag, Peavy. Uh, what's in the bag? Yes. Well, sounds like money.
21: Correct. And how much money?
11: Guess. I wouldn't want to say.
21: Go <laughs> ahead. Make a guess.
11: Fifty dollars? Ha!
21: My friend, right there in that little bag, there's no less than $2,200 in cash.
11: Good oh, gracious, you betcha.
21: Yes, sir. $2,200. Oh. More money than you've ever seen, even. Would you like to see a $20 bill?
11: Uh, Mr. Gillisle, I wouldn't talk so loud if I were you. Why not? <laughs> well, that man over there at the magazine, right, do you know him? Never seen him before in my life. Neither have I. What of it? Well, I never feel easy with large sums of money around now. For instance, if he should happen to be a... Well, there he goes. Must have seen his bus coming. I heard us talking about him. What do you mean? Well, I'm not a suspicious man, Mr. Gildersleeve, but there are very few people in this town that I don't know by sight. And the way he bolted out of here... Could have been his bus coming. Hmm, could have been. Hmm. Why did I have to go and shoot off my big mouth?
21: Oh, you're being ridiculous,
11: Peavy. Hmm. Cautious, maybe. As a matter of fact, I make it a point to never have more than $5 on the premises here at any time. I don't see what you're worried about here. You've got a safe. Oh, I never keep money in the safe. Well, why not? Well, first place a burglar would look.
5: Well,
11: I never
21: thought of that. Well, where do you keep it? <laughs> the PB. You trust me, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I trust you. Here I come in here with all this money. Let me ask you something.
11: How do you happen to be carrying all this money?
21: Well, it's Bessie's fault. That's my secretary. Or she was. Ever since she quit, things have been turning up. I looked in the desk drawer today, and there was two weeks' cash receipts.
11: Never been deposited. A fine thing. If I could get Bessie back, I'd fire her. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, my advice to you would be to get that money right down to the bank. That's what I'm on my way to do. Just stopped in here to, well, I'll let you have a look at it. thank you. That's very considerate. But if I were you, I wouldn't stop to show it to anyone else. It's two minutes to three right now, and the bank
21: closed. Two minutes of? Are you sure, Peavy? Oh, my goodness, my watch must be... uh, Goodbye, Peavy. Oh, sorry, madam. Uh, I'll never make it. I'll never make it. Oh! Sorry, pal. One side, please. Oh, Brother, is it still open? locked let me in let me in hey darn banks they're always closed when you want them hey banks they take your money and they won't let you in open up open up here hey Ah, the guard sees me here he comes taking his sweet time about it though come on fatso well open up don't stand there making faces at me What's he shaking his head about Let me in I want to deposit some money I don't want to look at your watch I want to deposit some money Hey, come back here Fake cop Grins and goes away It's the way it always is Come down here And they slam the door Right in your face Sorry <laughs> Call themselves a bank They have a holiday Every five minutes Columbus Day Hoover's birthday <laughs> Now what do I do I've got all this money here just have to take it home with me, I guess. By George, if anything happens to it, I'll sue him. I'll sue the pants off of him.
5: Psst.
21: Anybody home? Well, just as well. Let's get rid of this right away, I guess. Hide it someplace. Where?
5: Eee,
21: I know.
17: If I tuck it down on the bottom here. Eee.
6: Mr. Gatsby, but I didn't know you were...
21: Bertie, don't ever do that.
6: Don't do what?
21: Don't ever sneak up on me like that.
9: I wasn't sneaking up on nobody. I didn't even know you was home. I just came in here... All right, all
21: right. You startled me, that's all, Bertie. I'm sorry.
6: Yes, sir. Something wrong with
21: the clock? No, no, nothing wrong. I'm just uh, taking a look, that's all.
6: You lose something? No, no, I
21: thought I heard a slight noise in there. <laughs> thought maybe a squirrel would build a nest or something. <laughs> but it turns out that was not the case. No, the clock's all right.
8: Well, it ain't going. You better let me... Bertie! Yes, If the
19: clock
21: needs fixing, Bertie, I'll fix it.
8: Well, it's up to you. The pendulum stopped, that's all.
21: I know, a pendulum hit me in the ear. It's a very delicate clock, Bertie. It was made by an ancestor.
6: Will you tell Uncle about that, and I'll tell him what you did. Tell him what? Oh, all right.
21: Quiet, Bertie. Here comes the children. Don't say anything about, you know.
6: About
7: what?
21: About anything. Come away from the clock.
6: I don't touch it.
21: Well, come <laughs> away from it.
7: <laughs>
21: well, children.
6: Hello, uncle. Hi.
21: What's this you're not going to tell your uncle? Leroy, huh?
6: Nothing, uncle.
21: Hmm. Marjorie,
6: I don't know what you're talking about.
21: Hmm. Uh, Bertie, yes, sir. If you're going upstairs, bring down my revolver, will you?
6: Are uh, you kidding?
21: It isn't loaded, Bertie, but never mind. I'll get it myself. You couldn't find the bullets anyway.
7: Revolver?
6: What they? What do you want your revolver for, Uncle? Huh? <laughs> yes, what for? Nothing, Uncle Mort. You can't say you just want a revolver for nothing.
21: It's just a precaution, that's all. Now I don't want to alarm you, children when you have large sums of money on hand, it's always safest to, well, you know the Army's motto, be prepared.
6: Well, how much money have you got, Uncle Moore? Yeah, how much? Where did you get it? Did you win it?
21: There are other ways of getting money than winning it, Leroy.
6: Yeah? What?
21: (laughs) Besides, this isn't my money. That's why it's such a responsibility.
6: How much is it, Anki?
21: A considerable sum. Over $2,000. $2,200, 2200 to be exact.
6: Really? And Craig is always blown about how much dough his old man has. Oh, boy, just wait like Leroy! That.
21: You come right back here. I want you to say a word about this to anybody. You understand? Either of you. I don't want you to even mention the word money. Why not? Because somebody might try to break in here and steal it, you idiot.
6: Really, Leroy? Oh, well, I didn't know. Gosh. Where is the money, Uncle?
21: Never mind. I've hidden it. Where? In a safe place. Where nobody will find it. Where? Never mind. I'm not telling.
6: Is it in the clock? Oh, boom.
21: <laughs> How did you know?
6: Well, Anki, that's where you always hide everything. That's the first place we look on Easter.
21: Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I'll have to hide it somewhere else. Well, might as well get it out as long as every Tom, Dick, and Harry knows about it.
6: Can I look at it? Can I, Can I hold it? Get
21: off of me, Leroy. Get out of the way.
6: Is that it? That little bag?
21: That's it, my dear
6: i oh, kidding us. I am not. Open it up. Let us just peek, please.
21: Well, here. We'll put it on the table.
6: Gee, I never saw so much. <laughs>
21: yeah. That, my boy, is a $20 bill. Probably the only one you'll ever see. <laughs> That's legal tender.
6: Who's the old geezer on it?
21: Don't they teach you any history at that school? That's Washington.
6: Under the picture, it says Jackson.
21: (laughs) Well, some have Washington and some have Jackson. (laughs) Uh, Who's that?
6: The phone. I'll answer it. Hello? Judge? Yes, Uncle Mort's right here. Oh, and Judge, guess what he brought home with him. Marjorie! Huh?
21: Give me that telephone. I'll speak to you later, young lady.
6: But I didn't know Hello, that you...
21: Judge. What's on your mind? Poker tonight? Love to, sure. What time is the boy... No. Wait. I can't, Judge. I can't, that's all. I don't dare go out of the house. Never mind why I can't. See, why don't you get the jolly boys to come over here? Just as well play here as there. Sure. We'll do that. And, Horace... Um... Horace, when you come and ring the doorbell, give it two short rings and two long. That'll be the signal. Never mind, just do as I say if you want to get in. Now, young lady, what did I tell you?
6: Tell me about what?
21: About mentioning that money to people.
6: Well, I didn't think that you You children
21: don't seem to realize the seriousness of this situation. I want you to say nothing about it, you understand? Nothing.
6: But it was only Judge Hooker. Surely you don't think... I mean, the judge would never in the world.
21: That's what they said about Benedict Arnold.
3: I actually think Gildersleeve may be one of the best of the situation comedies of the golden age of radio. I just, it's so... It's so great. And the fact that he was established as a character on Fibber, McGee, and Molly. You know, he had Fibber, McGee, and Molly was such a popular show. It was one of the top shows on radio. And here was Gildersleeve. It was Fibber's next door neighbor. And his character was so established on that show. Then when it was spun out in 1941 for his own show, it had a built in audience that knew what this character was all about knew
4: him and loved him and
3: knew him and loved right him. Sure. yeah and so it was just a, a it
4: made perfect a sense. natural yeah.
3: it was just a natural winner to be his well, own show
4: that's what tv tries to do as yeah. well with all the spin-offs um they're hoping you love the character enough to like rhoda or you yeah. know archie's but
3: gildersleeve so. was the very first spin-off in all of entertainment it was the first time a show spun out of another show, Gildersleeve. And I just love, I love the great Gildersleeve. I think it's fantastic. Let's get back uh, to it in a few minutes. But first, it is time for this quick spot.
16: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
3: We've had a lot of texts tonight. We thank you. We do love your texts. And uh, our text in line, 312-981-7200. Lisa's cracking up all the time at the text. She's always like a big smile on her face. And, uh, well, so,
4: people have a lot of interesting things to say.
3: That they do. <laughs> and so does Gildersleeve. People
4: say the darndest things. He has
3: very interesting things to <laughs> yes, say, he too. Does. He's guarding 2200 bucks. It's a lot of money. Let's get back now to the great Gildersleeve.
1: let's get back to the great Gildersleeve. His friends have arrived and given the pre-arranged signal to his satisfaction. He has unchained, unbolted and unlocked his front door and is welcoming his guests. Uh, come in quick, fellas.
17: What's going on here anyway?
7: Wait. <laughs> what is all this, Commissioner? Expecting relatives? No. Good evening, Major. you got a pistol?
17: For heaven's sake, Gildy! What's got into you? Nothing. I'm just being careful. That's all.
7: Where's the chief? I had to go out of town. Cops convention. By George! You leave your coats in the hall here. Thanks. Uh, let's go in the parlor, shall we? I wish you'd put that cannon down, Commissioner. I ain't saying you don't know how to handle it. Only I'm nervous. That's all. I can handle it. Don't worry, Floyd. That's one
21: thing I learned in World War I, if I didn't learn anything else.
17: Well, it seems to me you owe us an explanation, Gildy.
21: Mysterious
17: signals, doors bolted, waving a pistol. I prefer not
21: to give an explanation, Judge. I think you can take my assurance that I have reasons. I may say also that I'm darn glad to see you, fellas. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, has
11: all this got anything to do
21: PV, with... Peavy, whatever you're thinking, don't say it.
11: I wasn't going to say anything. Well, don't.
7: Have a chair, Judge. Make yourself comfortable, Floyd. I'll try the sofa. Well, what are we going to play, poker or cops and robbers?
17: I'm for poker. Only, Gildy, I think it might look more like a sociable game if you put that gun in your desk or someplace. Get it out of sight. All right. You talk like somebody's grandmother. Well, let's get going.
7: How do you feel, Peeve? Lucky? Well, yeah, poker is a game of skills, Floyd. Ha! Let's get the chips around. I can't stay out all night. Everything is on the table, fellas. I was going to...
21: Did you hear something? Hear what? I heard somebody out in the porch.
11: Just the wind, Mister Galveston. There's quite a breeze out this evening. It's March, you know. Oh yes.
7: No asteroids around, Commissioner. Fireplace okay for Butt? Oh sure, Floyd. Okay. Floyd, for heaven's sake, you want to start a fire in there? Oh, I should think you'd have more sense. What did I do? You just told me
21: it was okay. Well, if you must know, it just so happens I don't want
17: twenty-two hundred dollars to go up and smoke. That's all. Twenty-two hundred dollars. Funny place to keep it. He's kidding. If
7: he had 2,200 bucks, he'd be in Mexico.
21: You can count it if you want to. No, you don't. It's not my money. These are water department funds. All the more reason to go to Mexico. Huh? What'd you do, sell a reservoir? It's two weeks' collections. I got to the bank too late to make the deposit, and I have reason to believe certain people know about it. There's been a lot of crime lately around here, fellas. Oh, poppycock.
7: Hey, I got a great idea. Let's use the money instead of chips. Make it look like a big game, huh? No be
21: no tampering with department funds. I'll put the bag here on the mantel where I can keep an eye on it. I'll hide it again later.
17: All right, let's play poker. Divide up some of these chips, will you, Petey? I'm counting the cards. Uh,
21: let me have that chair, will you, Floyd? <laughs> I'd like to keep an eye on the
7: money. I think you'd rather keep an eye on the door.
21: Maybe you're right. Stay there. Okay.
7: Now what? Uh, deal me in, fellas. Hello? They hung up. That's funny. What's funny about it? Wrong number, that's all. Some guy calling up a girl and he gets you. I'd hang up too.
21: <laughs> I don't like that phone call, fellas. If somebody knows the money's here, they'd naturally try to find out if I was home. 49, 50, 51,
17: 52. I guess they're all here. All right, for heaven's sake, let's play poker. <laughs>
21: on a pair of eggs again.
7: Oh, well, it was a nice game. Nobody got hurt, and we all get home early. I don't see why everybody is in
17: such a hurry. Horace, why not stick around and play a little cribbage? It's early. I've got to be in court in the morning, Gilday. Dispossessed case.
7: Oh. Floyd? Uh, Peavy? If I stay out any later tonight, I'll never get out tomorrow night. I'm sorry, Mr. Gilverstein, but
11: you know my rule. I was in bed by 12.
21: Yes, I know your rule, but it's only eleven.
11: I have various things to attend to before I retire.
21: Well, <laughs> fine bunch of friends, I must say. Hey, I think there's some cold tongue in the
17: icebox, fellas. Stick around,
7: we'll eat. What's the matter, Commissioner? Nervous? Certainly not.
17: I wouldn't worry, Gilday. These crime waves in the papers are generally exaggerated. Is my coat? Yeah, it is. Wait a minute. Judge, you mean these robberies and hold-ups... There weren't any? Well, no. There has been a certain amount of lawlessness, but the police have rounded up most of the bad element.
7: They didn't get those guys that stuck up old man Hogan, tied him up in the cellar and stole his drapes and silver. Never caught him, you say? Nope. They come around here, just give him the money, Commissioner. Don't try to be a hero. Well, uh-huh. on, fellas, let's get going. Good night, Mr. Gilversleeve, and thank you for a pleasant evening. Yeah, good night, Peavy. Wait a minute, Floyd. Uh-huh. I'll unlock the door. Oh, come on. I can hear Lovey's foot tapping the floor already. He's gone to get his gun. <laughs> you must think he's Edward G. Robinson. He's crazy. Wallace,
21: would you do me a favor? Leave quietly. There's no use advertising the fact that I'm all alone here.
17: Anything you say, Gilda. We'll be little mice.
21: Well, good night, boys. Good night.
7: Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Oh, <laughs> Hey,
17: listen to him locking himself up. Gildy likes to dramatize these little situations. Say, how'd it be if we'd throw a rock at the window or something, huh? Worry him a little. Oh, that's a cruel idea,
7: Floyd. I wouldn't hurt him. Just scratch on one of the shutters, maybe. <laughs> What do you say,
11: Peev? Just for laughs, huh? Well, I wouldn't care to take part in it, Floyd. <laughs> on. on the other hand.
5: <laughs> <laughs> ah,
17: go on, you both chicken.
7: Well, wait here a minute, I'll do it. I'll get a stick and scratch on the
17: follow window. As a rule, Peavy, I despise practical jokes. Funnier they are, the worse they are. Hey, Floyd's poking into the window now. Oh, rascal. <laughs> <laughs>
7: The guy's got no sense of humor at all.
21: I want the police department operator. I don't know the number. It says in the book you don't have to know the number in an emergency. Well, this is an emergency. Chief of police Every time there's a crime wave He's out of town uh, Let's see Where's the best place to be In case of it? If I drag the chair over here I can command the door And all the windows At the same time My rear is protected That's very important uh, 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 uh. Maybe hours before that cop gets here Well, just have to stay on the alert till he arrives, that's all. (laughs) He only four bullets left. (sighs) 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 Police department's a disgrace. Well, I'll tell him so. I'll tell the chief personally. If he doesn't pay any attention, I'll tell the chief. Yeah. Tell the chief. <laughs> What's that? Mm, just the wind, I guess. What am I doing here? Oh,
5: yeah. Help! <laughs> Drop that gun! Drop that gun! <laughs> oh, yes. yeah,
21: yeah. Ribble Devil.
15: It's sleep.
7: Ranzo. <laughs>
21: I
15: don't know what
6: to do, Leroy.
9: He looks awful. If I
7: wake
6: him up, he'll be mad. If you let him sleep, he'll be mad too.
9: Dear-ble.
7: Hey, Aunt! Jeep, what for?
6: It's nine thirty. Can I have my allowance? nine uh, thirty?
21: What day is
6: it? Saturday. Can I have my allowance?
21: He. Where's the. Where is it? Where's that money?
6: The money bag's right there under your chair, Mr. Gilsey. Oh. You want some breakfast?
21: No, no. No time for breakfast. to get this stuff to the bank as soon as it opens. If I. He. What's um, to sleep, Bertie? Have you got a brown paper bag?
9: I guess so, Mr. Gilsey. What for?
21: I had an idea in the middle of the night. I'll put the money bag inside the brown paper bag so nobody'll notice it.
7: I'll see if I got one. <laughs> um,
21: mouth tastes terrible.
6: Can I have my allowance, on?
21: For heaven's sake, Leroy, stop thinking about money. Money, money, money. That's all I hear around this house. I didn't sleep a wink all night trying to protect you children. Now you want money.
6: Oh, gosh. Get one out am holding, Miss Gildersleeve. Yeah,
21: that ought to do it, Bertie. There. Uh, what time did you say it was?
6: About 9.30.
21: Oh, my watch has stopped. Guess I forgot to wind it. Well... I'll just catch the bus on the corner. And where's my hat?
6: Here. Are you coming back, Uncle? I'll be back for breakfast.
21: What did? Oh. <laughs> when you come back, can we discuss? I'll see. Don't bother me about it.
6: Gosh, twenty-two hundred bucks, and he can't spare fifty cents. <laughs>
21: I think I'd know somebody on this bus. Not a soul. <laughs> nice morning, isn't it? What? I said, uh, nice morning. Oh. <laughs> this is my lunch in the bag. That so? Yep. I don't usually take my lunch to the office, but today I thought I would. <laughs> Such a nice day. I've got an orange in here and a roast beef sandwich (laughs) and some potato chips (laughs) and a piece of chocolate cake. Don't you believe me? I believe you. (laughs) Guess you want to read your paper, huh? If it's all right with you. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Friendly. Try to be pleasant in what happens. He's not reading his paper. He's watching me out of the corner of his eye. <laughs> Ugly fellow across the aisle there, too. He's pretended not to look at me, either. Hmm. I wonder if they're in league. Probably Confederates. Scratching his nose must be a signal. Well, uh, it won't trap me. I'll wait till everybody's off and then I'll make a break for it.
5: Hmm.
21: Wish I'd brought my gun. I've got a permit. Ought to get one. I will. See the sheriff the first thing Monday. A lot of crime going on, no matter what Hooker says. The courts are always the last to get wind of these things. A lot of crime. In broad daylight, too post-war psychology hey, uh, keep cool, Gildersleeve don't move yet they're not moving wait wait now out! gangway, Hey! let me out folks hey. oh. pardon me, let me out huh. uh, guess I was too smart for him <laughs> Yes, sir. You have to get up pretty early in the morning to catch your old... Hey! Ge- He's getting off, too. Hey! She I made it. Oh, for goodness...
7: Got your lunch.
21: My lunch? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Great Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It is written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore. The music is by Jack Meekham. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Louise Erickson, Lillian Randolph, Earl Ross, and Dick McGrath. Stay tuned in for Duffy's Tavern, which follows over most of these stations. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company and inviting you to listen in again next Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Uh, I'm going out now to eat my lunch. <laughs> good night, folks. <laughs>
3: And I hope you enjoyed it. The Great Gildersleeve, March 19, 1947, Guarding the Money. Hal Perry, starring on that, sponsored by Kraft, is heard on NBC. You know, Lisa, on our radio reenactment when we uh, go on the cruise next August to Bermuda on Oceana Cruises, what do you want to do? You want to do, like, a detective show and a comedy show or a scary show? And what do you want to do? I Bickerson's? I think a scary show would be a
4: lot we'll of fun. We'll do a scary
3: one. I I think and a everybody
4: loves that. I think that'd be a perfect
3: combination. Right, do one scary one yep. and one comedy. And I think our be listeners perfect. that are with us on our cruise next year at this time in August, August 1st, August. yeah, yep. 2020. Um we will have a reenactment, you can be in it, and we will have a cocktail party. We're going to be eating together in all of the different restaurants. We're going to have a trivia contest, and we're going to do some um, excursions. Right. Right. We're going to go in to St. George
4: and Hamilton, to right. um places in Bermuda. Uh, we're going to have a great getaway on Insignia at seven nights. Um, but, you know, this ship is supposed to be something really fantastic. I know it's all new, renovated, reimagined. There's restaurants and fitness centers and spa spas and lounges and bars and a casino. And the list goes on and on. And I think it's going to be a great way to, you know, you can, you know, kind of relax and have a really relaxing, quiet vacation. Or you can run around and go to the islands and and keep as busy as you want to. But either way, we're going to be there and we're going to make sure it's a great, fun week We're going to have a great
3: time with our listeners. I hope you can join us uh, next year, August 1st, for Seven nights and it starts at like eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine. We got yeah. a great rate because it's a big group. Although I don't think it's going to be a huge group. I'm guessing like around forty to fifty people probably. That's it. So it won't be too. I don't know. I know be, there's
4: a limit on yeah. how many rooms we've set aside. So check it out. So don't that's only delay. like
3: twenty five rooms. So they're going to go fast. So yeah. make sure you, you come with us.
4: So go to WGNradiotheater.com and then you can scroll down and there will be a cruise banner. Click on it. You can get all the information or I can also give you the number for Keen Luxury Travel. Yeah, write I know this they'd number love down. to talk to you. You can
3: call them and they'll work, they'll walk you all through it.
4: Yeah, it's kind of nice to talk to a person, get yeah. your questions answered and get a little bit more of an idea of what to expect. What's the number? The number is 800 toll free 856 1155. 800 856 1155
3: right all right hope you can join us uh i
4: can next wait. august and
3: i mean you know yes we're talking about it a year in advance but people like to book ahead of time they like to know where they're going on their vacation and yeah,
4: well stick with us we'll take good care of you it's supposed to
3: be like 85 to 90 degrees in bermuda at that time that's what they're saying that's the weather
4: carl's gonna wear a swimsuit it's gonna be live i am fun.
3: i'm gonna wear a speedo A white one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I will not. All right. So uh, when we come back tonight, we have more classic radio shows for you. Our Miss Brooks, Eve Arden as Connie Brooks, then The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you're with us here at 11 p.m. tonight when we come back.